This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning and happy week. <sighs> happy week. Is, Why do you look at me? Is that W-E-A-K. A is that a thing? Yeah, it's the happy week people. Okay. The poor, the pathetic, the downtrodden. It's going to be a great week. I can already tell. Why? Because um, I guess uh, Cleveland Cavaliers mm-hmm. take the championship. Yep. And they're crying for it. The it's city. Good. The city didn't burn. The city didn't burn. Yet. That's really cool for Cleveland. I'll have to look at the news report see if anything <laughs> yeah. happened overnight. That Cleveland I needed a, a pick-me-up. They got it. That's pretty cool. But, man, they were dominant. Holy cow. So, of course, we'll, we'll do a little review of that. Uh-huh. I personally was a Warriors fan. Um, but good for Cleveland. After 50-something years, 52 years, you need something good to happen. Right? Sure. You lose your boy. He comes back. He wins. It's a great story. The child, the son of Cleveland. And then Trump will come delivered. in in a couple weeks, level half the town, and move on. Yeah, it's they need a big pick-me-up before the Republican Party comes in for the party. We will um, we'll be talking about uh, that. We're also going to – Joe Cannon's going to be joining us doing a little bit of our insider report. We're going to talk all things political, see if uh, Donald Trump's, you know, said anything interesting recently. No. And, uh, of course, we'll get to that, plus other headlines that uh, things, thoughts you didn't even know you needed to know. That's all up next. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country? Thanks, Matt. Attorney General Loretta Lynch told CNN on Sunday that law enforcement officials will release limited transcripts today of three calls the Orlando shooter made with police. He talked about his pledges of allegiance to terrorist groups. He talked about his motivations for why he was claiming that... Uh, At the time that he was committing these horrific acts, he talked about American policy in some ways, Lynch said. The reason why we're we're, uh, going to release these limited transcripts is to avoid re-victimizing those people. They went through this horror, but it will contain the substance of his conversations. So they'll be limited, but you'll get the idea of what he was doing, because they think it's important to reveal his motivations without... Revictimizing the victims, so it's I don't ah, know, it's kind yeah. of a balancing act between the two. There, Lynch will also be traveling to Orlando on Tuesday. Uh, the last time the Senate held votes on gun legislation was last December, a day after a husband and wife shooters killed 14 people in San Bernardino. All four proposals were defeated. Before that, the occasion was the Sandy Hook Elementary shooting that killed 20 children and six teachers, which inspired gun control proposals in 2013. Those failed also. It's become a pattern, mass shooting incidents followed by gun control proposals and unsuccessful Senate votes now after the biggest mass shooting in U.S. history. In Orlando last week, the Democrats are hoping for a breakthrough when the Senate holds four more votes today. Republicans, too, are showing some movement with the support of the NRA. They propose an amendment that would allow law enforcement to block firearm sales for national security reasons in narrow circumstances, like if your name's on the no-fly list. <laughs> we'll see where that goes. A lot of big votes. The estimated, estimated 50,000 people gathered Sunday in Orlando for a candlelight vigil honoring the 49 people killed last week at the Pulse nightclub. The vigil was held near downtown Orlando. Attendees chanted, One Orlando United, and we remember... 
and carried photos of the people who died in that mass shooting. In other news, temperatures in the southwest U.S. hit record-setting highs over the weekend, killing four in Arizona and fueling wildfires. An estimated 30 million people are currently under heat advisories, and parts of California, Arizona, and Nevada are facing red flag warnings for extreme fire conditions. There are already three large wildfires burning in the region. In California, heat records were broken in 14 places, while in Arizona, records were shattered in seven areas. Mm. In California's Palm Springs, thermal Indio and Borrego temperatures rose to as high as 117 degrees uh, on Sunday. In Phoenix, it was 118 degrees. The heat wave is expected to stick around until at least Tuesday. In California, New Mexico, and Arizona, Monday will mark the hottest first day of summer ever recorded. Temperatures in the southwest desert could rise to 120 degrees today. Whoa. So so if you feel like you're hot, (sighs) it's probably hotter in Arizona. Quit complaining unless you're in Arizona. And also, if it's any consolation to the Bay Area, it seems that it's simply not in the stars for record season record holders to win titles in any of the four major American professional sports. While the Golden State Warriors set the NBA regular season record or win record with a stunning 73 victories this year, their loss in the finals to the Cleveland Cavaliers put them in rather depressing company. The NFL 2007-2008 Patriots lost in the Super Bowl despite winning going 16 and 0 for the season. The 2001 Mariners who hold the the Major League Baseball record of 116 wins and 46 losses only made it as far as the league championship series yeah, wow. and the Red Wings in the NHL, they lost in the Western Conference Final in the 95-96 season despite going 62-13-7 and mm. in the regular season. So regular season winning doesn't translate to championships. See, you don't have to win like every, what's it called, every day-to-day title. I mean, every yeah. what, year. What, regular season game. Regular season. But what was the, uh, I mean, they had 74 they lost more games in the playoffs than they lost the entire year the Warriors did. Yeah. That's crazy. That's just crazy. How do you – that's why you don't go for records is what they're saying. Don't go for Correct. a record. They had injuries. They had players out. Sleep through the players season. suspended. Be good enough to just yeah. get in and then razzle-dazzle. The, the playoffs matter. The regular season gets you to that point. Just make sure you're <sighs> in good position. You don't need to win them all. No. It's all good. They were going for records and things, and they probably could have. It probably didn't hurt them any to to go for the records, but in hindsight, who knows? Yeah, yeah they just seemed outplayed last night. Yes, I mean last three nights. Well, that too, because I don't know. It's like they were just tired. They look like you know my church team. <laughs> well, not that bad. What are you saying? No, we're good. No, that good. Okay, then you're not that good. Oh, man. Either way, they're better. Now you're offending I'm just trying to say they're better. Oh, you're offending my brother. That's okay. We'll get over it. It's all right. Whatever. We'll go sell their insurance or whatever they do. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, yeah, back back to the busy corporate world. Hey, um, what do you think about uh, Donald Trump? He he seemed to have had a, a relatively quiet weekend. I came in like a rainbow. Yeah. Like... There, there, there are parties massing against him, though. Yeah, a lot so of it's people like he's are... hanging out in the castle, and you have like the three armies are at the door, and he's just like, eh, you can't get through. George Will, uh, commentator, very conservative commentator, he he um, he thinks Trump doesn't quite understand maybe what's going on. Uh, interesting clip from George Will about how Trump's an amateur in politics. 
Trump got 13 million votes in the primaries. He'll probably need 65 million votes to win the presidency. Where is he going to get the other 52 million? That's a lot of votes. Uh, Donald Trump's assumption clearly at this point is that running in a primary against 16 opponents is pretty much the same as running in a protracted general election against one well-funded, tough Democratic machine. That's unlikely because what the Democrats have is a get-out-the-vote mechanism, that this is going to be a mobilization election, not a persuasion election. There aren't that many Americans waiting to be persuaded on either side. So if he doesn't have a get-out-the-vote mechanism, what does he have? What he has is crowds. And like a real amateur in politics, he seems to confuse the enthusiasm of the crowds in front of him at the moment in a high school auditorium with the larger electorate, whereas in fact crowds are definitionally a not representative selection of the American people. You know, one, it's not as if Hillary Clinton isn't a vulnerable. You know, that's the, that's such an interesting point because you got 10,000 people in front of you doesn't mean you have and it 65 was a, million It was votes. a casino auditorium last night. He was in Vegas. Oh, so. so different. Not high school, but still. Yeah. You get the point. Well, it's hard to get an audience in Vegas. Yeah. Unless you're Celine Dion. Man, he had people lined up up and down the hallways of this casino. I was watching, uh, was it ABC had some video? And it's just they're walking down. You know, like people did it with some of the uh, TSA backups at the airports where yeah. they took a camera and walked to the end of the line. Yeah. It took them like eight minutes to get there. And that's kind of the line that was waiting to get into this, really? this auditorium at a casino. But you can, as he was saying, George Will was saying, you can mistake that for your overall popularity. Yeah. You have people that love you. They'll show up and watch and want to hear you, but that's not the general public. That's, well, yeah. and every city he goes to, I mean, so if he goes back to all the states that he already has, has been to to win the primary, he'll still just, he might just fill it up with the same people. Right. The deal is 65 million people he needs. It's a big deal. And the get out the vote point that George will have, that the Democrats have that mechanism, the last two elections, right? You had, it was John McCain and then against Mitt Romney, both of those, one of the strengths of the Democrats for the Obama campaign was that get out, get the, out vote. the vote, the grassroots in key areas. Yeah. In Ohio, in Florida, they were able to get out and talk to people. He, Trump, though, I mean, another strength was that fundraising. And yes. we're going to talk to Joe today about fundraising. I mean, a lot of the fund, uh, the people that are paying the money that are the donors, the donor class, they don't know who to give their money to. Like, yes. do you give it to Donald? who spent the entire primaries beating them down and telling them how horrible they are, and now is saying, look, I'll go it alone if people don't want to help me. I mean, I'm, I'm totally fine paying it myself. Mm. It's like there comes a point you've got to raise some money. He's not even raising as much money as, um, I mean, uh, what's his name? The Senator Portman from Ohio has more money in the bank than Donald Trump. Crazy for Portman's for Portman's His election. Run. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's a big deal too. You gotta you gotta at some point incorporate the rest of the GOP into your game. There's reports that the GOP gave Trump a list of donors, like twenty. Here, make some phone calls. Let's raise some money. He got through three of them, and then was like, "I'm done." Well, it's and they, yeah. they're saying it's hard for a guy at seventy, a millionaire at seventy, to start asking for money. It's totally it's just, against it's a what, whole, he's yeah. all, what he's done, his whole persona, everything. So, And Donald says, you know, because they're usually giving me the money. Yeah. I don't – why should I have to ask? They should just come to me and just give me the money. Like I want to give you this much money. Oh, OK. <laughs> it never seems to work that way. Um, 
But again, too, he's uh, the the whole profiling of Muslims was a big co- uh, comment that he came out with over the weekend after the Orlando um, shooting, after the Orlando shooting, and it's you know at some point, some people like this kind of rhetoric. And you like to speak plainly. In December, we talked, and you said there there possibly should be profiling. Just as a bottom line here, are you talking about increasing profiling of Muslims in America? Well, I think profiling is something that we're going to have to start thinking about as a country, and other countries do it. And you look at Israel, and you look at others, and they do it, and they do it successfully. And, you know, I hate the concept of profiling, but we have to start using common sense, and we have to use, you know, we have to use our heads. So is that that's profiling instead of just keeping all of the Muslims out of the country? Would we just profile them? Or would we let still keep Muslims out of the country and then profile all those that are Americans? This is just a tangled web. Yeah. But again, I think a lot of people like that, you know, he's willing to say things that no one else is willing to say. Yeah, I, I don't know because you see like you, you say that, then you look at poll numbers yeah. and he seems to be losing some ground. Yeah. But I mean, except we too, have the gun control thing and, now. I mean. It's it's a really weird uh, deal. One thing we we wanted to bring up last week that we didn't ever play, but I want to play this clip by John Oliver. John Oliver, you know, uh, he's a satirist. What do you call him? He's yeah. a he's a comedian, but he's basically he's got a great show, and he he takes Trump apart on the lawsuits, right? Because Trump's got quite a few lawsuits against him. They'll say the number in the clip, but it's it's an enormous amount of lawsuits over the last decade or so. And this is some of the bad play that Trump's been getting the last few weeks about, you know, some of his business dealings. A new report from USA Today found Trump and his businesses have been involved in at least 3,500 lawsuits over three decades. 3,500 lawsuits. That is unprecedented for a presidential nominee. In fact, if each lawsuit involving Trump were the basis of an episode of law and order, they could sustain all 456 episodes of the original, all 389 episodes of law and order SVU, all 195 episodes of law and order criminal intent, and all 22 episodes of law and order LA, as well as... Every episode of The Practice, Ali McBeal, L.A. Law, Boston Legal, Night Court, The Good Wife, Matlock, Jag, Perry Mason, Judging Amy, The Guardian, The Public Defender, Owen Marshall, Counselor at Law, Harry's Law, Courthouse, Suits, Family Law, Sweet Justice, 1971's The DA, 2004's The DA, Reasonable Doubts, Damages, Shark, The Defenders, The Paper Chase, Head Cases, Judge for the Defense, and all three episodes of NBC's First Years, and at that point... You're still missing one lawsuit, but you've also basically run out of television shows about lawyers, meaning Trump's lawsuits exceed the limits of the genre. <laughs> that is such a good deal. Uh, <laughs> he, it exceeds the limits of the genre. What do you say? Donald Trump has more lawsuits, but people don't understand. I mean, he, he's won every one of those, he says. Yeah. Probably not. Well... I mean, I you don't I, win them all, but I should have won every one of them, probably, <laughs> except for the judiciary. They're just so messed up. Lots of interesting stuff to talk about today with our Washington insider and Joe Cannon will be on the phone with us and stick with us. We'll come right back, get into it, find out what's going on. We haven't heard much from Hillary. What's she just raising money? Is she 
actually being a grandma, really, I think is what happened. Um, uh, her daughter, Chelsea Clinton, had their baby. So she's grandma time now. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Who better to uh, to walk us through all things uh, political? Our good friend Joe Cannon. He's our Washington insider. He's a past chairman of the Utah Republican Party and uh, was a candidate for U.S. Senate. Also served as an assistant administrator of the U.S. EPA, um, Environmental Protection Agency, under the Reagan administration. And uh, was also an editor of the Deseret News on um, back about 10 years or so ago, which is a uh, an Intermountain newspaper, large Intermountain newspaper that's uh, very well respected here in this area. But we always like to have Joe on the phone because we or in the in the studio with us because he gives us a little bit of the insider's view. He would argue he's not an insider, except uh, except he's on the inside. Joe Cannon, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, Matt. How are you? Great to, great to be here. I'm fine. Where are you today? I'm in New York City today. New York City? Yeah. That's great. What's a lot of people here, all the people here argue the real capital of the world. That's right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. What, what do we need D.C. for, right, when we have the real capital in New York? What do you think um, – anything just stand out in your head as you're reading the headlines this weekend about the presidential race? You know, at, at some levels, it, it sounds uh, like, wow, things are really getting bad for Trump. Uh, you know, the the uh, a, a lot of the stories have been focusing on his popularity or lack of popularity. His favorability is like 34.6 percent, wow. the average of all the polls. His unfavorability is 61.6 percent. So, you know, a lot of... Uh, uh, <laughs> a lot of people don't like Trump. Some of the polls show that 55% of the people say they will never vote for Trump. Um, that that said, um, and oh, and, and you know, the overall average of, of the polls, uh, in the real clear politics average, Clinton is up 5.8%, uh, which is a is a chunk. Yeah. Um, however, just mitigating that a little bit. Uh, I'm not saying this because I'm pro-Trump. I have yeah. difficulties there, you know. But yeah. but uh, the there were a couple of really bad polls for Trump, you know, early in the week and late last week, and then the, they seem to the arrows that keep you know come are coming back closer together. Some of, some of the more recent polls, you know, are like two to four percent difference. So hmm. that's that's one thing, but. But you know, kind of more tellingly, more significantly, is you know we don't we don't win on uh, we don't run our country on national polls. We run them on state by state by state. That's how you win. Or right. Is. When you look at the states, it's still you know pretty grim for Trump, but not any more grim than it was for Mitt Romney. In fact, maybe maybe in some ways a lot better than Romney was, uh, but. Clinton, the average, these are averages again. Pennsylvania, Clinton's ahead by four. Um, I think, you know, 
this point last uh, and uh, four years ago, I think uh, Obama was ahead by furthest in that in Pennsylvania. Florida, Clinton is ahead by just one point six. Wow. Ohio, one point four. Those are two really crucial yeah. states. Uh, Virginia, she's ahead by four. North Carolina, Trump's ahead by one. Georgia, Trump's ahead by four. I don't know why Georgia is considered a battleground state, by the way, but some, for some reason, the cycle they are. So, anyway, you look at some of these crucial states. Uh, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's quite a bit closer. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't seem because if you listen to the press, if you listen to the news. Every star is against in you know, every major television star or whatever we call them, show host. They're all talking negatively about him. But if all he has to do is go in and, and pick off some of these states like Pennsylvania, he's just got to do a swing of four points. But I mean, I guess that's easier said than done. Um, is well, the, last, the last time the last time Pennsylvania went Republican was nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, it's you know it's uh, it's I I I think it would be. And an, an astonishing upset if uh, Trump were to, to take Pennsylvania. But again, it's and they're all. But, but let, let's just get real again. If you just take the states that are very most likely to go Clinton, as the electoral votes most likely to go Clinton and most likely to go Trump, she's ahead two eleven to one sixty four. Mm. You need two seventy. So for her to get the two seventy, she just needs. Fifty-nine electoral votes. Not very. That's, that's um, not very many. And, and then you take uh, uh, Trump needs to get one hundred and six sixty-four. Let's see. That's you know he needs a hundred and six. Hmm. So yeah, not quite twice as much. Why but isn't Hillary sure. doing better, Joe? Because this is, I mean, Hillary's the pro, right? She's been doing this. She has. It seems like everything going for her in name recognition and being the first female in uh, really a much more organized campaign, more unified to the party. Um, what's the problem? Well, she is Hillary Clinton. I mean, she is a very weak candidate that recognized by most most uh, pundits, Democrat and Republican. I mean, she's. She's got a lot of defects. She's, her negatives, I mean, if, if if Trump's negatives weren't so ridiculously high, we'd be spending a lot of time, and the pundits would be spending a lot of time talking about Hillary's negatives. Yeah. Her, her negatives are pretty high, too. They're just not as high as his. So, you know, some Republican wags and Democrat wags say that uh, uh, the Republicans looked across the nation and picked the only human being who could not be Hillary Clinton. Uh, now, that may yeah. or may not be true, but, but uh, uh, yeah, the, she has, she has a, a, a lot of negatives. And, and the enthusiasm is not, you know, as strong for her as it would be for other Democrat candidates. Certainly it's not as strong for her as it was for President Obama. Um, so, she, you know, she goes into the, the women... And the woman, historic first woman, is a pretty big thing with yeah. some people. But it, it turns out it's not a very big thing with other people, including uh, lots of women are, are saying, yeah, she's fighting the battles of the 60s and 70s and 80s. And, you know, many, many, many women voters, including the, you know, very, very strong demographic block for uh, 
uh, Democrats in general, and, and Hillary in particular, are uh, uh, single white women. Mm. They're a very strong Democratic cohort. Uh, but in that, you know, uh, single white women who are under 50, under 45, 50, that, that uh, they, they have a different view of the women's movement than older women, which is where Hillary, A, is, and B, her rhetoric, her, 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 uh, the words that what she, you know, how she uh, tees up that issue, sounds a lot like the '60s and '70s, yeah. and not like the mid, you know, two, uh, 2010, 2020. Is is um, and then I guess that what's interesting too, you have um, Bernie Sanders who still has yet to actually, you know, concede. And doesn't look like he will concede until uh, until we get closer. Um, is is are things going to change? So if, if he finally concedes and maybe throws his, you know, his um, his influence towards backing her more directly, do you think her numbers will rise? Do you think there will be a big move over to the Hillary side? Is that why she hasn't? Uh, she's not seeing a bigger gain on on Trump yet. I think her numbers will go up when that happens. Uh, uh, you're right, I think. But I don't think the – whatever Bernie Sanders says, and he's already said he's going to do everything he can to beat Trump. But uh, – and, and a chunk of his voters are already – if you're asking uh, the general population, including Sanders voters, are you going to vote for Clinton or Trump? A chunk of them are already in that Clinton number. Okay. Uh, uh, so, so from, from that standpoint, I don't expect your numbers to shoot up, but they could go up some. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what I don't think will happen is is that there there, the, there will not be a transfer of enthusiasm from yeah. Sanders to Clinton. That that I'm pretty confident is not going to happen. Yeah, no, it's interesting, which is, again, I made a point about this last time that, I mean, Sanders is four or five years older than Hillary and isn't always known as the most exciting, you know, guy in the Senate. But um, in the end, he's but he's he's got this incredible following and a lot of the youth still don't want to go, as you were saying, don't want to jump over and support her either. It's right. uh, just not I, a draw. It, yeah, it's, it's a single digit of people who would actually support Bernie and Trump. Right. I don't, I don't see any benefit to Trump out of this, out of, out of Bernie, when Bernie drops out. Does Here's, a, I guess, a, a concern I have um, on the Trump side is it just doesn't seem like he wants to be a candidate because candidates need, need to raise money, and they say that he's really having a hard time sitting down, making the calls, asking for the money. Um, but they also they they have to be more organized. They have to be more disciplined. They have to build an a, a, an organization, right? And so, are these is is Trump's inability or unwillingness to do this is is this going to hamstring him eventually? Well, I I actually think that the most significant political statement of last week was Trump saying. Oh, I'll go it alone. Yeah. I don't need the party. I don't need all these p- political people. I'll just go it alone. Well, that's just uh, for a guy who's the genius art of the deal. 
part of the deal of being president and running for president is it's a common commonly said statement but you know it's it's all about addition not about subtraction mm. yeah and and he's not really about addition he keeps uh saying and doing and you know offending the same people and maybe even finding new people to offend oh yeah and uh it's just yeah so it's uh yeah i could go it alone i'll, I'll just go it alone let's go alone you know, america america the american political system was designed by the founders of course again we've had we've said this numerous times uh i think trump only has passing familiarity <laughs> with, the, with the founders with the constitution but the whole idea was that you, yeah, you have three different, three separate centers of power, but you, you need to work together to get anything done. That's right. And, and, the, and you got to work with your party. It doesn't look that way. No, right. You got, yeah, so, he, he now, I, I, another thing that you hear people say is, uh, remember President Dukakis. Oh. In, in late June, I've got the number here someplace, in, in late June, I'm sorry, in late July of 1988, um, Michael Dukakis was ahead of George Bush, fifty-five to thirty-eight. Oh boy! And then one tank, and, yeah. <laughs> and then he went, he won going away. Yeah, three to forty-six. So, um, but uh, Joe, let's let we got to take a break, okay. Joe. But let's take a break. Come back, and then I want you to answer that. We got to get to Brexit. I want to learn your views on that and uh, why it matters to the rest of the Americans. Anyway, stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Whenever you hear Dylan on the uh, Matt Townsend Show, you know it's because Joe Cannon is on the show with us. Joe is the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation and is fighting, uh, that organization is fighting for, you know, your fuel costs, is trying to lower the fuel costs for um, Americans and also improve the market for um, fuel so that we can all, you know, have it cheaper, easier. Less expensive. Um, Joe, welcome back to the show. As our Washington insider, you were talking just about uh, Trump's need to maybe, you know, be a part of the team, <laughs> get in, get on board and, and recognize that this this is a process of unifying of addition, not subtraction. Well, and it, it, it just seems like it's not a very hard thing to do. It seems that it's a, a result of of a really off-the-charts narcissism. A lot of people, even though they, they don't like him, they would just like permission to support him. Right, right. Okay? Uh, give us a bone. Toss us a bone instead of of uh, giving us the back of your hand all the time. Uh, not us, meaning, you know, the Paul Ryans of the world, the uh, people you're going to have to work with if you get elected. Yeah. Not to mention the people that you have to work with to get elected. It's so true. Like I, I see all these people that that like you say want just just don't say anything stupid so that I can tolerate it. Yeah, so I don't, I don't have to feel so bad uh, <laughs> voting for you or or supporting you or contributing money to you uh, or walking precincts for you. All the stuff that you need to do to get elected. Well, and I didn't realize that. The the downside to all of this is 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 really okay. The presidential election or not, whatever, but that Trump is vying for. But there's, it's the down the ballot work, right? Because if 
if you become too supportive of Trump, the president, and he keeps making major mistakes and and seemingly acting like a racist, as many are calling him, then the down ballots could also just start dropping. Then you lose everything. No, it could hurt uh, George Will. You know, of course, she's really a Cassandra on this, but. You know, for him, it's the end of the Republican Party. But just to take a concrete example that many of your listeners will understand. So in Utah, there is a congresswoman, Mia Love, you know, is a a very appealing kind of a candidate, Uh, African-American, well, Haitian-American, actually, but but, uh, Republican, Mormon, conservative, and, and polls show her behind... Uh, her Democratic challenger, Doug Owens. Well, uh, how how does Trump affect this? Well, what if a lot of people in Utah say, you know, I just can't come out and vote. I'm not going to vote for Trump. I'm not even going to show up at the polls. Mm. Well, a significant number of those are Republicans. That's going to hurt Mia That's right. uh, even more. So you could just multiply that across the, the other 50 states. And uh, there, there are a lot of tight, tight elections, Senate, in particular in the Senate. The Senate is already on the knife edge. Uh, so the Democrats only need to pick up, uh, I think, three seats. And some of those are pretty identifiable right, uh, identi- identifiable right now. So, yeah, it could, it could hurt uh, everybody, not, you know, the Senate, the House, state legislatures, governor's races in some cases. So, yeah, it's a, th- this, this could be cataclysmic for the Republican <laughs> Party. Talk about, like, Paul Ryan's position. He, you know, the last few weeks he's taken a beating simply for just semi-backing Trump. Um, But he he almost seems like he's just caught between a rock and a hard place. He's got to start building a bridge, supposedly, for Trump to get on board. But meanwhile, Trump keeps saying these offensive things, and he's got—tell us what he has to manage. What What is he going through through this whole thing? Well, Ryan, what Ryan's going through is he, he has a duty. His, one of his main job is to get Republicans elected again in the House. And, of course, the House, uh, I've been quoted as saying, you know, uh, when I was chairman of the party in Utah, there, there are actually three parties in Utah, and I, I was chairman of two of them. Well, uh, Paul Ryan is the, is the speaker of two of the three parties in Congress. And they're at war. You got a bunch, a bunch of Trump supporters, a bunch of not Trump supporters. He wants to make sure you have enough Republicans that he's the speaker next mm. next year. So he's, you know, he's holding out the olive branch to Trump. Okay, we can work together. But he's also saying, you know, like, vote your conscience. I, I I can't tell you who to vote, which is not not only not a ringing endorsement. It's, it's <laughs> saying maybe I, maybe I have problems here. And Trump is, and Trump, that's is one of the persons I was thinking of. Is Ryan? Uh, give him a bone. Give him something that he could say. Look at Trump could be a good president, mm-hmm. but he he insists on doing it my way. I did it my way, and it's a pretty rare politician in America that does it my way and lasts very long. Oh. Even at the odd even in the odd chance he gets elected. Yeah, yeah. Talk about. Um, I don't know if you saw this on Huffington Post. Um, apparently, Clarence Thomas, there's rumors that he may actually be seeking to just retire. I did see that, I, I, and that's all I know. And I'd be personally, I'd be dumbfounded if that were true, because he is 
one of the strongest fighters or proponents of his judicial worldview. And I just, I don't know, I've always thought of all of them who are going to be carried out in a pine box like Scalia, it would be Thomas. But I don't have any, any particular background on that. They just said he wants to retire and get out in his motorhome with his wife. Yeah, well, <laughs> who doesn't? A lot of people of his age would like to do that. <laughs> right. I think he, he's, uh, he may have made uh, an off comment like that. I, I don't know. But I do know he is a fighter. And with yeah. Scalia gone, my guess is that that just strengthens him. I know when he actually got on the goal, he finally got sworn in, he said, I will outlive all of them, meaning all the people who have really so bitterly. Yeah, so he, he has made some pretty strong statements in the past about that. He's but also was. Cha- oh, go ahead. Changes over time. He's, not, he's also not known for speaking much. He just, I, I think, just recently after. Um, uh, after the Justice Scalia, Scalia died, he, it was one of the first times he actually spoke during um, during Moral the. Argument, can right. you so so in a way he maybe he's just got a way to sit it out and I mean I mean now he I guess the deal is though to be a part of this and know you're going to do it for 15 more years 20 more years or whatever it would be exhausting it's a life sentence yeah but well, if you believe in it you believe in it. Yeah, and I think he's a he is a true believer, no question about that. That's great. I did want to say one other thing about Trump. Yeah, the, is it not really strictly about Trump, but a very interesting, really interesting development is the Rules Committee of the National Convention. So the Rules Committee is made up of a, of a male and female uh, delegate to the convention from each of the. 50 states and other jurisdictions in San like Puerto Rico that, that send delegates. So there are 112 members of the Rules Committee, very powerful. And you might recall, and Trump has said that everyone said this, there are no rules until the Rules Committee says what the rules are for the convention. Hmm. Uh, the chairperson of the Rules Committee is Enid Green Mickelson uh. of Utah. And Enid is a very, very tough person, very, very knowledgeable about the rules. And I just think that would be something, I don't know what will happen. I don't know where she is on Trump. I mean, I, I know Enid very, very well. She was my yeah, yeah. chairman of the party. I, just, I actually and, just talked to her the other night. She's going to be on the show after oh, the convention. Well, tell her hi from Joe. I will she, for sure. She, uh, she will be watching, watching how that rules committee goes i didn't re- realize that okay i thought i thought okay she, I, she's for national it's a national she's in the national committee she is the chairman of the rules committee for the republican national holy Convention. cow i did not know that, 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 that it, it's hard to think of a more powerful position for somebody to be in especially uh, you you're hearing these rumors all the time there's this sort of shadowy group of of delegates all talking to each other about how to oust Trump right. at the convention. Well, the only way that could even possibly work, have any any chance of, of coming to fruition, you'd have to have something happen in the Rules Committee. For example, somebody's already put forward a motion that says, let's let everybody vote their own conscience. Let's have a, a conscientious objector status, so to speak. So that I'm from, actually this guy is from Nevada, uh, I'm from Nevada, but I, and I'm a delegate, and I'm, I'm uh, 
forced to vote for Trump on the first ballot by the rules of my state, and I don't want to do that. Well, if the rules committee said, oh, you don't have to do that. Change it, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, that, that, then all of a sudden, it's not a no-brainer on the, on the first ballot. Now, having said that, not giving Trump the nomination would definitely be the end of the Republican Party, at least for this election, because there, he would just either run a third-party candidate or just run against the, uh, mm-hmm. the whoever that Republican nominee was. And, and, and there's no way a divided party can uh, can win the presidency. So I, I don't, it's just I don't know where it'll go. I don't have any honestly, truly don't have any inside knowledge on this. I would just say the appointment of Enid Mickelson as the chair of the rules committee for the convention. Mm, I did not know that. If, if I were Trump, I would I would think that's probably not a good thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Now, Enid is fair. She's as fair as fair can be. And, you know, I don't know where, where this will go, but it'll be interesting. I'd say I'm more interested than I was before just knowing Enid's skill and capacities. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, man, Joe, let's let's do this. Let's take a quick break, and then I want to come back, and I want to ask you one more question about the British exit, Brexit, and see your take on uh, this referendum that's coming up in a day or two. Um, give us a break. We'll, take, we'll come right back more with Joe on Brexit and the British exit. He's our Washington insider. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, on the phone with us is our Washington insider, Joe Cannon. He's the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, um, which you can go to fuelfreedom.org and find out the work that their organization is doing to uh, lower your fuel costs and improve the markets for fuel here in the United States. Joe, welcome back to the show. Thanks for uh, walking us through all of this. Um, I have to ask you about Brexit and the British uh, referendum that's up uh, on the 23rd. That is tomorrow, I believe, right? No, uh, the 23rd. Thursday. 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 So, I mean, this is pretty much a vote. Does does uh, does Britain remain in the member of the European Union or does it leave the European Union? What uh, what's your take on this? What what's leading what's leading this Brexit movement? Well, a lot of what's leading it is, uh, I'll call it Trumpism. Uh, there, are, there are people in, in England, or Great Britain in general, but England in particular, who are just saying, well, a lot of our problems in life are caused by this horrible, fearful monster in Brussels where uh, we have no power. Uh, it's a, uh, we've given up our sovereignty, in effect, to, to these uh, bureaucrats in Brussels. So that's the that's the leave side. Uh, the remain side is hey, uh, this is a great deal. You know, we're part of uh, one of the most significant economic blocks, and and we have free trade and uh, within there, and all of that would have to be renegotiated uh, if mm. they left. The interesting thing is that today there is a new poll out that actually shows. The remain, so it's leave or remain. Yeah. And, and leave is 42%, remain is uh, 45%. Oof. And so the markets are all up. The British markets up, U.S. markets up, futures are all up. But on the average of the last six polls, it's 
it's lit, it's the opposite, almost the opposite. It's 45% lead, 43% remain. Now, but if you believe in betting, so in, in England you can bet on anything. They have something called Ladbrokes. It's a it's a betting place. You can just go and you can bet on anything. There, the odds are 27% leave, 73% remain. So wow. people actually who are betting money are betting Bet, betting, betting to, that it'll stay. That remain. My view of it is just the, the bottom line is it turns out on June 15th, just last week, 801 years ago, Bad King John signed the Magna Carta at Runnymede which a lot of people think is the, was the beginning of the whole notion of rule of law mm. and the Anglo-American legal system. And I think it would be kind of fitting if there was a new Magna Carta, so to speak, where the Brits said, no, we're going our own way. We're going to keep our sovereignty. We're going to keep our unique institutions and history. Britain is a fish out of water. Oh, yeah. It has a different legal systems than all the rest of the members of the uh, European Union and a long and proud and deep history of individual rights, the rule of law uh, against the uh, power of the sovereign. So it's, um, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of fitting if 801 years later they, <laughs> they, they voted to leave. But but you make a great point that, I mean, it's kind of this nationalism feeling that you, you sense with Trump a bit. It's nationalism. It's anti-immigrant. A lot of the leave vote uh, is anti-immigrant. They feel like they have more control over their borders uh, if they're out of the European yeah. Union. And they would, by the way. That, that's actually a fact. Right, so, right. So that's... Um, well, you know what? It's, again, we, we wouldn't have had the history that you just brought us. If not for Joe Cannon, Joe, we appreciate you. Thanks for being on the show, and uh, have a have a safe trip there in New York. Okay, thank you, Matt. Thanks a lot. You bet, I'll Joe. See you, next week. you bet, Joe Cannon's his name. Go check out the website fuelfreedom.org. Just a great uh, re, uh, resource um, for the work that Joe's doing to lower the cost of fuel in the United States. We will take a break. Come back. We have a whole new hour. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, hour number two of the show. This is the program where we give you the information, the tools you need to live healthier, happier lives Today, we're going to be talking about your marriage, nine thoughts that can change your marriage. Um, interesting guest. We've had her on before, Sheila Ray Gregoire, and she's going to walk us through the keys to making marriage work. So if you if you have been wondering after this weekend, like, oh, boy, my marriage is really struggling, then guess what? We've got the guest for you. It's also, by the way, the first day of summer. Right, and if you live in Phoenix or anywhere in Arizona, it's also known as the first day of Welcome to Hades, because it is hot. It's so hot there, 120 degrees, 112 to 120 degree range. Seems like a great day to just stay home, Hmm. drink some lemonade, iced lemonade. Hydrate, please. Hydrate. Four hikers apparently died um, there, so... 
Got to watch out for that day. Um, it's all. It, it's sure it's the first day of summer, but you got to make it through summer. So be careful. Be careful out there. Also, we um, we we've got a lot of other headlines we're going to talk about today. Just stuff that's important to you. But before we get to just kind of the day to day headlines, let's first get to the national headlines with Terry South, find out what else is going on around the country. Terry, what's up? Thanks, Matt. Organizers say more than 1,000 people, including GOP delegates, alternates, and other supporters, dialed in for a conference call Sunday night to hammer out details for a last-ditch sweeping rules change that would unbind delegates at the Republican National Convention and deny Donald Trump the presidential nomination. This was the group's second conference call in four days following a Thursday night call with about three dozen delegates. This effort is spearheaded by two Colorado delegates. Speakers on the call encourage participants to start traditional grassroots campaigning for the idea of unbinding delegates, calling for delegates to send information from their home states and for participants to write letters to the editor and to call in to talk radio. Why the talk radio? You know, talk radio. Just because, yeah, because we're the deal makers. We're the people movers. Seems like this is not going to work, but, uh, you know, yeah, give it a try. Yeah. What are you going to do? Mm. So far in June, Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton and her allies have spent $23 million on TV ads in eight battleground states, Colorado, Florida, Iowa, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Ohio, and Virginia, saturating the airwaves. Republican candidate Donald Trump and his allies, how much do you think they've spent, Matt? Uh, I, I would say nothing. Zero. He spent no money. Zero dollars. For comparison, in June of 2012, President Obama and PACs supporting him dropped $45 million on TV ads in 11 wow. contested states, while Republican Mitt Romney and his backers made $38 million in ad buys. Wow. Trump has done zero. Well, he doesn't need any because he gets free press to the tune of $2 billion. Some feel maybe he thinks that's how it's going to continue yeah, to work. I have a feeling it won't continue. And maybe it's not the same when you're out of the primaries. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have a national campaign to run, and maybe he's a step behind. Right. And the press set this all up. And then there's a theory that he's doing this on purpose because he doesn't really want to win anyways. <laughs> Which seems crazy. I, I heard somebody say, you pay him $150 million, he'll leave. Yeah. And he said, you could pay me four times that much. I'd never leave. I think if you threw $150 million at him, he'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll go make steaks. So interesting. interesting there. I have a story here about we've heard that he takes uh, letters, uh, not letters, but he takes articles that he doesn't like. And in a profile in GQ, it says every morning staffers print out 30 to 50 Google News results for Donald J. Trump. Trump then goes at the stack with a marker, making circles and arrows and annotating things he does does or does not like. The defaced <laughs> articles get scanned and emailed to the journalist or the person quoted who draws Trump's ire under the subject line, from the office of Donald J. Trump. Wow. That, see, that's the now, he's got his own no-fly list. Megan Kelly from Fox News says that she's gotten multiple uh, like articles or notes from him either saying, good job, or I didn't appreciate this. Holy With God. comments she's made. So it's kind of an odd way to That's a really odd way, yeah. Um, in other news, a hearing will take place today between rifle maker Bushmaster Firearms International and nine families of the victims and one survivor of the Sandy Hook Elementary mass shooting. The lawsuit alleges Bushmaster recklessly marketed the AR-15 military-style weapon used in the mass shooting 
uh, December 14th, 2012. The case challenges the limits of the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act passed by Congress in uh, 2005 to insulate firearm manufacturers from lawsuits. So if your gun is used in a shooting, they can't sue you for making the gun. Uh, okay. So they're challenging that law. Okay. Also new this morning, the Supreme Court declined to take up a constitutional challenge to a Connecticut gun law passed in the aftermath of the Sandy Hook Elementary shooting. The law bans certain semi-automatic assault weapons and large capacity magazines, although the decision comes days after the Orlando shooting. That event probably didn't move the justices either way. In recent years, the court has declined to take up major Second Amendment cases. Yeah, but something's got to happen. They're, they're going to do something. Come on, they'll do something. I don't know. Man, of, of all the timing, this is yeah. crazy timing. Um, over the weekend, actor Anton Yelchin. Yeah. He's a young actor known for yeah, his role as Chekhov in the yeah. new Star Trek franchises. Chekhov. Uh, Chekhov. He was killed in a car crash. This was weird. Did you read it? I did not. It was, it was weird. He was killed... When he got out of his car, apparently, and apparently went to, like, get his mail or something, but his car rolled down a hill and wedged him between his mailbox, his brick pillar for his mailbox, and then caused an injury, which, I don't know, which then led to his death. Led to his death. But he he was trapped. It was, I mean, it's tragic. It was weird. And he's 27? 27, yeah. So... Yeah, apparently I thought I think the thing said the the car was running but in neutral hmm. and it must have rolled down the hill and trapped him. Wow. I didn't know that. Unbelievable. That is crazy. Yeah. So he's he was the there's a new Star Trek movie coming out next month. Of course that's done, but yeah. moving forward um they'll have to make a decision there. Also over the weekend uh Pixar's Finding Dory. Had, yeah. Had 136 million dollars opening weekend giving it the all-time record for animated film openings. Wow. The last was Shrek in 2007 had 121 million. That's that's amazing. I I contributed to the Zootopia world by watching Zootopia. And at home? Yes. No, yes. With my family. With at my mother's it wasn't my home. It was at a house. Though. It was at a house. Yes. Okay. With my it was my mother's birthday. Cuz that movie already made a billion dollars yeah. and so it's gone. Yeah, it's so no one's even talking about it, but no. I saw it, and what, you know what? What you think? I love Zootopia. There you go. I want to live in Zootopia. Hmm. Is that weird? No. I felt like a child again. What do you want to be? Do you want to be a predator, or do you want to be for sure the predator's former <laughs> food? No, I want to be a predator because if you remember, it's the sheep, the non-predators that turned. That's right. Yeah. Never trust a sheep. But realistically, would Matt be a predator or? What, 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 why are you asking that? I'm just you, wondering. I don't get what you're saying. Like judging his personality? Yeah. Yeah, he'd be the food. <laughs> I'd be – I would be so eaten by these the predators. I, You guys have no idea how I really roll. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. I are mean, you, are got, you holding back There's a lot of carnage in my wake. Mm. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. What, <laughs> by the way, what did you do for Father's Day? Went to my father's on Saturday and my – Father-in-laws on Sunday. Yeah. A lot of father time. Yeah. Did they celebrate you? It was mentioned. Yeah. I kept asking for my feet to be rubbed. Mm, How'd that go? Interestingly, no one took the offer. (laughs) But I've been given a promise that my car is going to be washed today. Mm, Nice. Weird thing. I drove my car. Yeah, that's going to be. So I don't know how it'll be washed when I have it at my office. What if they come steal it? 
Well, they won't because it's a 30-minute drive. Okay. There's so, some effort involved. And the kid that was going to wash it is 15. Oh. So, so Matt, as a predator, yeah, you need to be more assertive about this. Yeah, except if, I don't know if you remember the movie Zootopia. They've evolved where they're not angry anymore unless they eat the magical mushrooms or whatever those were. <laughs> See? It's all in the movie. I've it, actually never seen the movie. Yeah, you need to. It's throw, a good movie. You need to throw down a few mon, a few bucks and get the movie. You'll it's learn a lot from it. It's a really good movie. Hey, um, this is crazy too. Uh, man charged in Texas. Mm. You know those road signs that are the ele- the electric road signs that light up and tell you what to do. Yes. So a man has been arrested for tampering with an electronic road sign. Um, in Austin, changing the construction ahead warning to say instead, drive crazy, y'all. Mm. Very Texas of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. According to an arrest affidavit, Jeffrey Eltgroth, uh, 26, is charged with criminal mischief. Court documents say police were called after a witness saw Eltgroth, uh, saw an Eltgroth, no, saw Eltgroth's message as he was typing it in. And um, the, uh, on the, I guess, I guess uh, this it, this isn't worded right, but they caught him typing it in, and then um, somebody saw him go away, and then an officer found him at a nearby gas station, and then he admitted to changing it, thinking it was kind of a funny joke, and the officer said, "Why did you change it?" This, these were his exact words, hmm. because I thought it was funny. <laughs> Mr. Elbro. Does that sound funny to you? I think that's an honest answer. Listen. Listen. If if I was driving down the road and I saw something that says drive crazy, y'all. Hit your brakes, y'all. I would laugh. Stop swerving, you all. Uh, that was pretty not funny, Mr. Elgroth. <laughs> I would laugh. See, and the, the the hard part about this, you can't do it, like, from your house. It's not like you no. can hack through the web or something. Yeah, you have to go, to go to the actual unit, the actual was, sign, and there's a keyboard. on the orange sign. You probably have to bust open up. a key lock and then I'm telling get you. to the keyboard to, to log this in. But it is funny. Drive crazy. Y'all. The, the funny thing is, is that people believe the sign. No, they didn't. So they just started driving all crazy. They probably just laughed and kept driving. Why, uh, why were you driving crazy? Hello, it's posted. But more of a concern is it's a construction zone, and maybe you're alerting people to something coming up, and yeah, they're you know laughing at driving crazy. Well, that's the last thing you want when they're driving through a construction zone is laughing, yeah, hysterically. Well, this morning, driving through a construction zone, some woman swerving in and out of her lane as she was sending that vastly more important text. Oh, good. And because it was dark, you could totally see her light. On her phone, just blowing up the inside of her car. Did just, you see? I'm looking over, like, what are you doing? Stay over there. Don't you love that? I love pulling up right next to him and just staring at him. I was trying to like look over. I was going to honk, but yeah, maybe that's too aggressive. At yeah, five thirty. Don't in the morning. do that. Um, did you hear about what happened to Netflix? What they do? So Netflix, they were showing Game of Thrones, of course, which is one of their big things to watch, and their uh, Netflix. I mean, sorry, or HBO, HBO. Go. And the HBO Whichever, streaming went down. Of course. It always crashes when there's a big, a big Game launch. of Thrones thing, yeah. Which, you know, that's going to tick people off. Oh, of course. A few people got mad. Well, then there was the people that were trying to watch the NBA Finals. Uh-huh. And then that started, I think, halfway through the second quarter. And so you're trying to 
follow the NBA Finals, say on social media somewhere, but then all your friends are watching this other thing and they're they're saying they're reacting to what's happening on the show, and then people are mad because they can't just do what they want. Right. They have to shut down social media. Because it's, people so, just watch something. This is what's cool, though. This is why you need. About... I have I have picture in picture on my TV, so you can put the game over here uh... and then watch what you want to watch. Because most of the time, you don't need the commentary to know what's no. happening. See, I was see. at my father-in-law's house, and my son, the game was starting, and my son, that's 11, hmm. pulls out his little iPhone. Yeah, kind of iPhone. And um, ends up streaming the game. Yeah. You could have watched it on several apps. I was watching it on Periscope. Somebody in the stadium was oh, really? recording it. That on, would be fun. Not really. It looked horrible because the guy was you know, in the oh, upper yeah, bowl tiny, and yeah, stuff. But still, you could see grainy. a game was happening. Yeah. You know, technology. See, some people buy tickets mm. to go there, but you could just watch Periscope. You don't, need to, you don't need to pay for anything. Now, it's a stunt, but someone sold like front row tickets for that game for like 50 grand or something. Times just two. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Who pays... But Forty-seven I mean, thousand dollars for a actu- ticket. Prices were between like seven hundred bucks for cheap seats, and yeah. then you know a couple thousand for the better seats down below. And and I guess the person that sold them for a hundred thousand, what was he looking for? Just, I mean, uh, the notoriety. I guess. But the problem is, is those aren't the people who have been there all season long cheering for their team. Mm-hmm. Those are people with season tickets who are like, uh, yeah, you can have my tickets because I'll just sit at sure. home and watch yeah. it on TV. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be crazy. I make a ton of money. Yeah, but who would give up their home seats? Come on. I don't know. Maybe he had a feeling, a premonition. Could be. That uh, LeBron was going to come ready to play. Any more, other than if you want to be in the crowd, you get a better experience watching it on TV. I agree. Unless, of course, you're trying to watch Game of Thrones. And oh, the streaming's or, not working. Or if a star player hits you in the face with his mouthpiece. Ooh, you don't get that at home. Well, apparently that was one of the owner's sons. Yeah, it was of one the, of, the, of the, Cleveland, Cal- yeah. the Cleveland Cavaliers. There was several minority owners. He? He's in his 20s. I take and, that. Throw, hey, come on, Steph. And, throw your thing at me. And Steph Curry immediately apologized. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal. But the guy's like, yeah, he apologized. Hey, we won. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because they hate each other, it seems like, on the court. But then after, there was some pretty cool hugging going on. It's just a on. game. Just a game. Just a game. It's like mixed martial arts. Just a game. It's like the rivalry between us and the apple seed here on BYU. <laughs> it's just a game. It's just a game, man. I okay. mean, when we TP their office. Yeah. Totally it's, good. It's just a game. Come on, relax. Just toilet paper. And Oreos all over your mirrors and your glass. It's going to be a crazy day for the apple seed gang. Folks, stick with us. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're talking your marriage. Nine thoughts that can change your marriage. Stick with us. The tools you need to live happier, healthier lives. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Are you waiting for your relationship to get better? Are you praying more and you know submitting and and hoping that your partner will just change? You know, maybe that maybe there's just this miracle that will just change, or that the conflicts that you have will go away. Well, things aren't going to get better until you 
take actions to change the things that you need to change. Our next guest is a Christian author of the book, Nine Thoughts That Can Change Your Marriage, because a great relationship doesn't happen by accident. Her name is Sheila Ray Gregoire, and she um, she's back. She's with us. She, she's been having a major battle of... Uh, of laryngitis. Sheila Ray, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks. It's great to be here, and it's good to have my voice back. It was so great. Last time we called you, you're, you were just... You, it, it, yeah, you, it was like, it was sad. I felt bad for you. <laughs> good to have you here, Sheila. Talk about um, your title of your book, I love, because great relationships, they, they don't happen by accident. It seems like we think love should be easy, when really it's pretty difficult. Well, it is, but... Here's the thing. It isn't always difficult in the long run. What I found is that my marriage was really tough in the beginning, but once we put these these habits in place and started thinking differently, it's like things become automatic, and it's so much easier now. So, so while, yes, I believe love is tough, and it takes a while to get to that place, once you get to that place, it is lovely Boom. indeed. Yeah, and it's, I guess, one of the things you're focusing on I guess it's one thing to focus on our actions, what we're doing, but maybe the most important do to doing to focus on would be our thinking, how we think about our partner. Yeah, because when I when I first got married, we had a really rocky transition. I brought a ton of baggage into my marriage, and then I found in our intimate life was really not working well. It was uncomfortable, and he wanted it all the time, and I couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. <laughs> and then we we tend to pray these really counterproductive prayers. Yeah. We, you know, we, we pray, oh God, you know, help my husband to change, or help him <laughs> to understand me. Get and, a hobby. Yeah, and, and just do all of these things to change him, and then we start to believe that there's nothing that I can do to make this better, and we figure that God is on our side, because God loves me, so why wouldn't he want me to be happy? And I prayed those prayers for years, and it didn't do any good until one day I just had this thought, which was, if God made marriage to be great, and if God made intimacy to be great, then why would I want to miss out on it? There you and go. So why am I waiting for my husband to change? Why aren't I doing what I can? And that's actually really empowering, you know, because if you think the only way to get happy is for someone else to change or for God to send a light, lightning bolt down from heaven, <laughs> then you could be waiting a long time. Yeah, yeah, and it's not – I mean, it's in your circle, right? It's in, it's in something you can influence today is you where I can't always get my partner to think the way I think maybe ever. I mean, it may not ever happen. <laughs> actually. Right. Yeah. Right. One of the things, uh, the, these are each different thoughts that that we ourselves, you're saying, can kind of control. Um, one of the thoughts that you talk about is that my husband can't make me mad. Yeah. And that's a tough one to swallow, isn't it? Yeah, that's a hard one. Because <laughs> we think they they not only can, but they do make me mad because I wasn't mad till my wife came home. And, and and I'm not saying that your husband doesn't do bad things right? or that your husband doesn't do things that's wrong. In fact, later in the book, I talk about how to confront someone when they do do something wrong. I'm just saying that the decision to get ticked off is really in your hands. Yeah. It's, it's not what he does. It's what you're thinking. And one of the biggest revelations I had was that quite often the times that I was getting ticked off, it wasn't actually to do with Keith. It was more to do with what was going on in my life. Um, cause, and, and, and some of you women listening, you've probably experienced this, okay? So 
one night your husband comes home like 20 minutes late for dinner, doesn't bother you at all, you've kept dinner warm, you know, you all sit down at the table, it's absolutely fine. Another night he comes home 20 minutes late, and you have been waiting at the door for the last <laughs> 17 minutes, and you have texted him six times, and you are livid. <laughs> right. But it's he did the exact same thing both times, it's just that maybe that second time, you know, little Katie had to be at gymnastics at 7 o'clock, and little Ricky had to be at karate at 7.05, and you still had homework to get done, and you were really stressed. And so the issue wasn't with your husband, the issue was, here's what's going on in our lives. Hmm. And when I started realizing that, you know, sometimes I get ticked off because I am overworked, or I'm tired, <laughs> Or I'm feeling guilty about something, and I project it onto Keith, and it's not always what Keith's doing. Right. I mean, because life is is complicated, right? And and it, it's kind of compounding, but it's almost like maybe once you've crossed that boundary um, where you do blame your partner, it seems like your brain says, okay, yeah, that'll work. That's an easy <laughs> out. And we just – it gets easier to go there every time. Well, yeah, because then we feel morally superior, Right. Right. I love feeling morally superior. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. But it's it, it really it's a, it's kind of a tangled web because we want our thinking, we want to have control of our thinking, but the only thing we can control it with would be our thinking. Yeah, and and so you do you need to take those whenever you get ticked off, just take a deep breath and say, "Okay, what's going on in my life right now?" You know, what's going on with me? Because sometimes the issue is with you. And and then sometimes it's not. Like sometimes your husband maybe is being really insensitive. Um, sometimes he might be doing things that really do honestly take you off. Yeah. But then the best thing to do is to start asking, okay, what is he doing that's right? And how can I focus on the things that he's doing well instead of only the things that he's really bugging me about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and then maybe change the direction of it and and, and change it. One of the another point you bring up that I think is pretty interesting is this idea that you can't I can't mold my husband into my image, which just seems like no one would intentionally say, Oh yeah, I'm trying to make him just like me. But we, we're mad at the weirdest things that our partner – that they're doing, right? And we're mad that they're not doing it like us. So really, we are trying to mold them. Yeah, like you just – you want your husband to be the kind of person that when you got married, you pictured he would always be because we all have these expectations. And the thing is, he can't become that because often our expectations are really unrealistic. Now, like I said – Often there's really big things in marriage that need to be confronted, and and I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm just saying that sometimes you need to take responsibility for your own feelings. I mean, here's an example. Let's say that you spend your whole life cleaning everything, and nobody else in the family lifts a finger. And you're really frustrated about this, and you're really mad, and doesn't anybody see that I work all the time and nobody helps me? And you can get angry about that, and you can think that you want your husband to change all you want, but you can't make him want to clean. What you can do is stop cleaning so much. Right. <laughs> you can take a step back, and you can stop over-functioning, because whenever you over-function, and whenever you do more of what you should be doing, then you allow other people, like your kids, to under-function. <laughs> so... If yeah. you want them to step up to the plate, sometimes we have to step back. That's true. And because if, if you're overdoing it, if you're over managing and you're frustrated about it, um, then do something different. Yeah. 
instead of waiting for other people to suddenly get this gene that says, I love cleaning, <laughs> which is never going to happen. Right. You know, you need to change the patterns in your life. And that's, that's the main thing I'm saying is look at the patterns in your relationship and figure out how can I change what I am doing. Oh, that's brilliant. And I mean, really, and patterns, it's a great way to look at it, right? Like the systems, the habits, the patterns. If you continually have the same emotional breakdown or frustration by something, don't just assume everyone else is the problem. Start thinking about how you're approaching that issue. Yeah, because when we do too much, we allow other people to do too little. Exactly. No, that's great. Let's take a break. Um, we're learning a lot and experiencing some uh some some interesting change of patterns possibly for us here. Uh, joining us again is Sheila Ray Gregoire. She is the author of the book Nine Thoughts That Can Change Your Marriage Because a Great Relationship Doesn't Happen by Accident. She's a mother, a blogger, a public speaker, and the author of eight other books. And uh, we'll take a break, come back, continue this discussion. Stick with us, helping you live longer and love stronger. That's the goal of the show. We'll be right back. to the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us on the phone is Sheila Ray Gregoire. She is the author of the book, Nine Thoughts That Can Change Your Marriage Because a Great Relationship Doesn't Happen by Accident. You can find out more about her work at SheilaRayGregoire.com and uh, just has a ton of great resources on her website as well. Um, Fun, fun insights. Sheila, welcome back to the show. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Hey, talk to us. Uh, one, another one of your thoughts is that you you are not, I am not in competition with my husband. So one of the nine thoughts that can help us um, change our marriages, would I guess, would be don't compete. Yeah, because I think often what we figure, especially as wives, is like if there's a disagreement, you know, he's got to make the decision or because um, that's what we believe um, or that that. We're always going to have disagreements, so we have to figure out how, like, who's going to who's going to end up getting their way. And I think as soon as we think that way, what we've done is we've created this win lose mentality where it's impossible for you to be in unity. And I find that really, really strange yeah. because God wants us to be in unity. So why do we think that it's so automatic that we're going to disagree? <laughs> you know, right? Like, uh, obviously, people disagree, but there should be a way to resolve those things so that you both can win. And I think too often when we disagree, we're trying to figure out who's right. And as soon as you ask that question, someone's going to lose. Right. Right. And so we've got to stop asking that question and see see our conflicts in a completely different way. Be- because it seems like the very concept that competition is part of this is the thing is probably the reason we need to be married to yeah. to fix that need to compete exactly and and you know you're a team and if you need if you've decided that you need to win every argument with your spouse you're going to end up married to a loser mm-hmm. and nobody wants to be married <laughs> to a loser so let's look at how instead we can both win and we can both feel like okay my spouse has heard me, and we're on the same page. And and if, if I mean, if tangibly you can't always find an exact win, um, 
that's that's equal or fair. But part of it is just the mere fact, I guess you're saying that there's the process, that your process is to be together to find better solutions instead of just the either or. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and let me just give you a really practical example, because I don't think people quite know what I'm talking about here. Let's say, let, let's take a couple, and I, I use this example in Nine Thoughts that contains your marriage, but let's take a couple where she's pregnant with twins. You know, she's going to give birth in about two months, and she's exhausted because she also has a toddler. And how is she going to sleep? You know, she might not sleep for the next two years, <laughs> and she's huge, and she's tired. And he's thinking, okay, my family is about to expand to five. I want to make sure we're on good financial ground. There's a new house that's for sale that's really a bargain. I think we should buy it now and stop renting because we're wasting all this money. And so they're having this argument about whether or not they should move. And she's thinking, well, no, because I'm way too tired. I can't handle the stress right now. And he's thinking this is too good an opportunity to pass up, and we need to get on better financial footing. So normally when we hear that, we think, well, yeah, obviously someone isn't going to win there because either they move or they don't. Right. But what if instead of debating real estate, what if they could sit down and say, okay, let's take a huge step back. And what is it that you need right now? And what is it that I need right now? And she could say, well, I just, I just need to feel like I'm not going to be exhausted. I need to feel like I have some support. I need to feel like, you know, I might get some sleep. <laughs> I need to feel like there's going to be people helping me. Yeah. And he might say, well, I just need to feel like we have a financial plan and that we're on good financial footing. And when you word it like that, that's a totally different scenario because now you can start brainstorming. Okay, if you need to feel not exhausted, how can we meet those needs? How can we make sure that you're going to be okay? And if he needs to feel financially secure, how can we meet those needs? And maybe they'll think of something totally different than moving, or maybe they will move, but they'll also help her get not exhausted. Right, right. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's powerful. And it's a, I call that like the third alternative, right? It's, it's not mine or yours. It's ours. It's something new. And part of this, right. I guess, is just understanding what's the real, real issue deep down inside. Yeah, and the real issue, normally when we figure out what the real issue is, we tend to think it's my husband. Okay, right. the issue here is my husband is hurting me or my husband's being unreasonable, and we call your spouse the issue. <laughs> <laughs> so your spouse is not the issue. The issue is you both have needs that aren't being met. So let's talk about those needs and figure them out rather than debating who's right and who's wrong, because hmm. needs aren't wrong. No, right. It's just, it's, it is what it is. And, but you're right. We end up talking so much in the smoke, I call it, that we, we, we never get down to the real fire, the real thing causing all of this. Mm-hmm. Powerful stuff. What are, what are some other thoughts that we need to make sure we're paying attention to or changing so that the marriage can flow, uh, I guess, more in a more healthy way? Well, the one that, that really um, speaks to so many people is, is that I'm called to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. Mm. Because here's the difference. A peacekeeper is someone, picture them, you know, on the dividing line between Israel and Egypt. You know, the, the two nations don't like each other. There is a lot of conflict. And a peacekeeper is just trying to stop any overt negative action from, from coming out. So they're just trying to keep a lid on things. A peacemaker instead would be someone like on the border between Canada and the States. You know, we're friends. Yeah. We love each other. We, we're very similar. We don't see each other as enemies at all. And so a peacemaker is someone who says, okay, let's take those issues that we do have. Let's take those conflicts and let's work through them so that we're on the same page. 
And I think what happens in marriage often is that especially women think, all right, I can't bring something up because that would be causing a conflict and conflicts are bad. No, conflicts aren't bad. Conflicts are inevitable. Right. It's how you deal with them that's bad. And if we never, ever discuss things that are bugging us, we're not making peace. All we're doing is covering stuff over, and that's just going to cause you to go further and further apart. Yeah. You're, and that avoidance, um, I mean, it seems like it's working, right? Because we didn't even have a fight today. Yeah. But, but if you're stewing, <laughs> if you're stewing in your thoughts, right, and 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 getting more angry, more frustrated, more lonely, more disconnected, it's it's not going to end well. Right. And if you're in a marriage where there's something really difficult going on, like let's say that your your spouse is flirting with people on Facebook or texting an ex or you know watching porn or something like that. You need to deal with that because that's just going to pull you further and further apart, and that really endangers the marriage. You know, so part of being a good spouse is when your spouse is doing something that hurts the relationship, you deal with it. If they won't listen to you, you bring in a third party. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you draw some serious boundaries, but you say, no, our relationship is worth more than this, and I'm going to fight for our relationship. Oh, that's great. Um, if you, as we wrap it up, if you... Um, had to think of one thing. I call it the one thing that makes the biggest difference. What would you say is the one thought that that seems to to you know pay the biggest dividend if we could just master one idea? I think it's probably thought number nine. The fact is that drifting apart is totally inevitable. You will drift. The only way to stop it is to be intentional about it. And so often we think, oh, I've married my best friend and we're going to be best friends forever. And that's not true. Because if you do nothing to keep that friendship going, you're going to end up so far apart. Yeah, no, it's so true. So be- every day, just take time to talk about, hey, what was, what was the best thing that happened to you today? And what, what made you the most upset today? Just know each other's hearts. It doesn't need to take that long. Just check in with each other. Encounter that drift. And then everything else is going to be so much easier. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's helpful, too, to just know that the normal would be to drift apart. It's The abnormal is to stay connected intentionally. Exactly. Hmm. Good stuff. Well, you, you did it. She, she was sick. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, we couldn't we couldn't have her on, but uh, Sheila Ray Gregoire, thank you so much for your great work and and uh, your time. Well, thank you. It's been wonderful. You bet. Good to have you again, everybody. Go check out the website, um, just SheilaRayGregoire dot com. Also, look for the book, um, and the book is fairly uh, basic, along with nine other books. The name of this book is Nine Thoughts That Can Change Your Marriage Because a Great Relationship Doesn't Happen by Accident. Fun stuff, folks. Uh, stick with us. You can also, by the way, go to her blog, to lovehonorandvacuum.com. Great resources uh, to get through sometimes the more difficult things in life, which, you know, are our relationships at times. We'll take a break, come back, do a little Coach's Corner. Stick with us, folks. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball! Play ball! Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, um, there really are a lot of tensions, stresses that you feel, don't you, in your relationship. And, And 
some don't, right? They're just so happy and content, not knowing how stressed their family is. But um, I don't know. There, I think there comes a point for all of us where we need to to um, to take our relationship and and like we were just hearing from Sheila Ray Gregoire and become more intentional in it and, and literally say, I'm going to grow this thing. I've had a really weird um, issue going on in my yard where I, I have a love-hate relationship with my yard, my with my weeds, with my beds, my everything. And interestingly, the the yard starts to resemble my negative belief system. I don't I don't like my yard. I don't like it. And it doesn't look good, so it's now retaliating. Except for here's the deal. This year my wife somehow has been able to get me more involved in the yard, like the in the weeding, and get me to become more a part of it. And I've noticed that as I've changed my view about it, that it's not just something to hate. It's probably my yard is something to work with, to understand, and in certain places control. Um, then it makes my life a little bit easier. So as I get my boys up, uh, or my wife helps us all get up to go out and the weed, after doing that for a month, once or twice a week, you start to really make your yard look good. And you you start making a dent in the things that you didn't like. And it's just a shift sometimes, a shift in your paradigm, a shift in your view about what you really – what you can do, what you should do, and what's what's working. And I just look at it like the same is true in our marriages. If at some point, instead of just sitting back and assuming that the yard's going to take us over and eventually destroy us, if I would just shift my view in my marriage that my marriage isn't here to destroy me, my marriage is here to be an additive part of my life, to teach me certain lessons, to give me some activities to do as well, but to build something with someone else, I can't control it. It's not all up to me. It's just it's just an opportunity to become better, to be better, and to um, to be a little bit different. So maybe if we see our marriage as, as something that we can work on, something that we can improve, wow, all of a sudden you might grow something you can be proud of. Heaven forbid, you might even start living some principles that you can share with others. So one of the rules that I would, or uh, principles that I would try to live by, and a thought that I would try to blow up if I could, is that lasting love shouldn't be this difficult. I'm a big believer that if, just like my yard, if I want my yard to look good, it shouldn't just be easy. It's difficult. Anything that's natural, like a relationship, they're difficult. They're, it's hard to keep up. And if you let it go too far and let it grow too you know, uh, too um, wild, then all of a sudden you'll pay for it. And if you want to have a chance to have a better approach to anything that's living, you got to understand why it is what why it's doing what it's doing. We need to spend more time trying to understand why our spouses are the way they are. Um, I, I always think of the the metaphor of um, there's so much pressure, there's so much intensity that can go on in a marriage. 
from, you know, the raising of children and the mistakes that can be made and the communication errors that happen and the misunderstanding, but the goodness and the closeness and the richness and the love and the forgiveness, all of that together creates a pretty intense experience. And it's almost like we think that, you know, that pressure is is not good, but really that pressure creates the gems of our life and of our world. Um, diamonds are created under that pressure. Our, our fine gems are created under such pressure. But it seems like many of us aren't trying to create that gem in our marriage by handling the pressure and managing it. It's almost more like we're just looking for gems. We want to go find the perfect marriage partner and marry that person just like picking up a diamond off the ground and just not even realizing what it took to make the diamond. I think our responsibility here is with each other is to learn how to make beautiful gems and to turn a marriage that's full of pressure and perfect idyllic opportunities to create something beautiful, and then we ought to create those beautiful things. Uh, one of my favorite um, just authors is Neil Maxwell, and he said um, that this world is like a laboratory, and the people in our lives are the clinical material. Our relationships are the clinical material. So one thought I feel that uh, I need to work on, I'm sure you might feel it as well, is that lasting love shouldn't be difficult. It's, it shouldn't, I mean, it, it should be difficult. Get used to that idea. It's not here to just be easy for you. It's not here to always be perfect. You need the imperfect times to make the gem. Um, another idea we need to blow up is that I know who my partner really is. And I hate to be, uh, you know, the negative Nelly here, but you have no clue who you're married to. Uh, and by the way, neither do they. They don't even know who they are. Most of us aren't really good at identifying what we are and who we are and why we do what we're doing. Really, we're changing constantly. And every day, every new interaction, every new experience changes me. So you can be as frustrated as you want for why your partner does what they're doing. But before you try to just assume you knew them and now they've changed, why don't you go figure out why they're changing? Go figure out what is the draw for why they're you know, moving away from being as religious as they used to be? Or why are they um, struggling so much, you know, at work and want to change their jobs so quickly? Don't just assume you wanted to be a lawyer since I first met you. Well, okay, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. Go figure out why. Don't just argue that they should stay the same because the reality is we're here on earth to progress, aren't we? So if I feel a need to change... You, you probably are going to have to help understand who I am and, and not just not only just freak out about it. Um, pretty important thing, I, and why I say that is I thought I knew who I was until we had a – my daughter had a grandchild uh, for me. She didn't have it for anyone else but me. Um, but it changed me, honestly. My life changed the minute I became a grandfather because I thought I loved my kids, which I totally do, but – I had a whole different purpose as a grandpa, and it changed everything I thought. My, my thinking became much more long-term. I got to be there to raise this girl and to be a part of her life, and I got to create more time in my schedule. All these things needed to change because of this one stage I'm going through. We all are going through these stages. So we're learning one way or another. We're learning. That's the goal of the show is to give you the tools you need when you need them so that you can live healthier, happier lives. 
We'll take a break. Come back, folks. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer and love stronger. We'll be back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. The third hour of the program, which usually means we take off the gloves and it gets crazy. It, it does? Yeah. You, you, when you leave, I'll pay, I'll pay more attention. Indulge him. Indulge it's when you leave, Ben and I take the gloves off, and okay. it gets crazy. Hey, we've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking um, with our one of our coaches, uh, Kim Giles, will be joining us from Clarity Point Coaching, talking about, you know, you don't have to be miserable. Life, life is hard. Suffering, optional. Could you choose to be miserable? If, and a lot of people are choosing it, but they think they're not choosing it. Oh. Because they seem to fight so much against it. They feel like they're not choosing to be so, you know. What if you like it? Yeah. Then you're sick. Okay. And you need to listen to the show <laughs> because then we're here to help you. There are people that like a good wine mm. with an H. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer some cheese, but that's why. Oh, I had some cheese yesterday. <laughs> cheese, it does a body good. For a little while. Yeah. I'd rather have cheese than ice cream. Take that okay. back. Take that back. Who wouldn't? Yeah. I can see that. Last it's time it. I had ice cream, it had uh, soap in it. Wow. It was Ben's. Ben made it. His bathtub ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> no, it wow. wasn't. He's no, like putting brand names out there. It. No, it was Ben's berries and cream. Yeah, it's pretty bad. This is slander. I... No, I just, I just think there are times in life where you just yeah. need to be, just feel that way. And you sure. want to feel that way. Sure. Now- Kim's talking about people who Maybe feel like there's no recourse and there's yeah. a way out and she's trying to give you a pathway. Yeah. And again, you can feel that way. I feel sometimes like I ought to just eat hamburgers all day. I feel it. Yeah. That would be great. It would be great. But it, yeah. the deal with what you feel is that it doesn't always – it's not always accurate. Yeah. I mean it's accurate for what you feel but it's not accurate for your health or life or – like my wife worries that I'm going to become depressed because I sit in a room to watch TV with the curtains pulled all the time. Yeah, so no. it's dark. It's no, my that's cave. Heaven. That's heaven I love on earth. that. Right. No. I love it when it's it's, it's raining. It's overcast. Yeah. The sun's completely blocked out at Piece noon. It's just a great feeling heaven. for me. Yeah. What's the she big thinks deal with I'm that? depressed? I'm like, no. I just you what know. depresses me is when you open the blinds. I don't want to squint when I'm watching TV. I just want to watch TV. Can I not like go into my hole and just <sighs> come on? Anyway, we'll get to Kim uh, Giles and, you know, f- further the uh, depressing discussion that we just started. <laughs> it's not depressing. Also, no, I mean, it's just dark because you're just lonely in your room, just sitting nah, there like a little hermit. I'm not really lonely. I'm enjoying what I'm doing at the yeah, moment. I love it. Mm. We'll get to that. Also, uh, our good buddies from BYU Sports Nation will be joining us. We'll find out what's going to be on their show at the top of the hour. Plus, we'll have a hero segment and all things that make up the Matt Townsend Show. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the country? Thanks, Matt. Republicans in multiple states complained Sunday night of intimidation tactics from party leaders who say they seem aimed at preventing a revolt against the presumptive Republican nominee Donald Trump at the party's convention next month. 
They're being intimidated. This is getting exciting. A North Carolina delegate says uh, the delegates in her state are very much under direct threat from our state with a $10,000 fine, adding that she had been threatened by the state GOP vice president over Facebook and asked about the possibility of a legal fund being established to defend them. NBC News reports that a man who identified himself as a candidate for the state house in Arkansas said that he has been called a threat, a coward, a communist because of his refusal to support Trump. Wow. Intimidation tactics. (laughs) This is getting crazy. We should have known this was going to get crazy when they were just talking about hands and your hands are small, Mr. Trump, that whole thing. Uh If we were already offending people at that level. It's just going to get uglier. Yeah, I'll promise you. So this will be. Uh, I think. I think this will ramp up. Yeah. In the next few weeks, and it'll go right to the convention, and nothing will happen. Oh, is that? Are you guessing? Yeah. You're yeah. I, I, well, I'm erring on the side of nothing will happen, so that when something happens, I'm pleasantly surprised. <laughs> and Excellent. rooting on my TV. It's go, a fantastic go, go. plan. So uh, Donald Trump's campaign uh, announced today that the campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, will be leaving the team. What? Little the, Lou? Corey the Donald, Lou? Donald J. Trump campaign for president, which has set a historic record in Republican, you know, they go on about what they've done, has announced today that Corey Lewandowski will no longer be working with the campaign. Uh, his spokesman, Trump spokesman, Hope Hicks, said the statement, the campaign is grateful for Corey for his hard work and dedication. We wish him the best. Lewandowski's departure comes as Trump faces a mounting push to turn his focus towards the general election. Yes. The uh, woman from Breitbart, uh-huh. the website where she was trying to get a question to Trump, Yeah, there was a little bit of a scuffle and Lewandowski grabbed her arm and or and there were bruises and whatever. She threw it. He, yeah. Then she gets fired from Breitbart. She put out on Twitter today that uh, if Lewandowski's interested, Breitbart's hiring. <laughs> Just kind of a little sarcastic jab at him yeah. as he heads out the door. You know that. He can maybe do security there. At a People's Summit conference in Chicago Saturday, several dozen Sanders protesters trained for, quote, direct action at the Democratic National Convention, practicing disruptive tactics like chanting, marching, and avoiding police interference. One day, uh, one idea the protesters are considering but may not ultimately use is a blockade, which means physically blocking busy intersections in the convention host city of Philadelphia. Wow. Yeah. A blockade. So both camp, both uh, conventions could be very viewer friendly. This is exciting. Not very, not very like you know friendly for the people attending. No, no, horrible. But if you're for at home people. watching on TV. It's going to be great better stuff. Better than like live, like you know, better than any drama or comedy uh-huh. you could be watching at the time. <laughs> Possibly, see what happens. I like it. Uh, we've talked earlier today. Temperatures in the Southwest U.S. hit record-setting highs over the weekend, killing four in Arizona, fueling wildfires across the Southwest. Thirty million people are currently under heat advisories in parts of California, Arizona, and Nevada. They call them red flag warnings for extreme fire conditions. They uh, feel the temperatures today could get up between probably 115 and 120 for Arizona. Holy cow. California, New Mexico, Arizona will mark the hottest first day of summer ever recorded, they feel, today. That's a big deal. Drink some water. Hydrate. That's the uh, word of the day. Hydrate. Go in the shade where it'll be 100 degrees. Yeah. I always like to sit under a tree when it Mm. gets really hot. Like where it's about 112. That's good. Yeah. And then I just like to hydrate. Yeah. And sweat. I like to sweat and just feel the sweat drip off my body. That's, That's what I do on a warm summer day in That's great. Phoenix. Yeah. Thanks, Matt.
Here to serve. Everyone's creeped out. <laughs> On Monday this evening, everyone in the Northern Hemisphere can finally say, welcome summer. Yes. Just welcome. Hello, summer. Welcome. Thank you, brutal, unbearable Can heat. I get you a lemonade? Impressive. And also lift their eyes to witness a different cosmic phenomenon that only happens in tandem with the summer solstice every half century or so. Mm. The strawberry moon. Pardon? Strawberry moon? It's a full moon in June, uh, so named by the Native Americans to mark the beginning of strawberry season. Oh. Hasn't appeared on the same day as the summer solstice for several decades. A website called Earth Skies says that it happened in 1967, but then there's a bit of controversy with the old farmer's almanac putting the previous date falling nearly 70 years ago. Really? Viewers can check out the strawberry moon, or as they call it, the rose full moon, or the honeymoon, Ooh. Monday evening. Wow. In the, a sky near you, I guess. Have you ever have you ever seen the tomato moon? Not on purpose. Love it. Nothing better than a summer tomato. Do you ever go out and look at the moon and go, hey, look, it's the moon? No. 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 Neither do I. No, I once looked at the sun. How was that? And my, my mom's like, don't look at the sun. Next day you got glasses, right? Yep. I don't know. My eyes hurt really bad. Um, I'm not big into that, but I have a son that's – he's on an LDS mission, and he's mm. the one that would always get us to go look at everything. Mm. We'd go lay down on the trampoline, and we'd all just look up and just enjoy. See, now I have an app on my phone. It's called – I believe it's called Night Sky. Is it uh, – oh, yeah. No, that's a fun app. Yeah. Night, it takes the, a ton of memory. It's Night Sky. Yeah, it's pretty big. But it's great because you can sit on your couch in your house without ever actually yeah. going outside. You don't even you, need to go out there. You just kind of move your phone around, and it kind of shows you, like, through the wall uh-huh. outside, this hey. is what stars are in the sky. This is what the stars look like. So you never have to actually have to go anywhere. See. It's great. My it, kid goes, let's go look at the moon. I go, no, 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 come here. I just put it up against, like, the ceiling. Right there. Yeah. Right through there is the moon. He goes, no, Dad, come on outside. No, th- no, no. I think you're supposed to use it in tandem with going outside. Oh, it's so it's better sitting on your couch, mm. not leaving your house. You know, let me give you a better way to do it. Just Google strawberry moon, mm. and you've got the most incredible moon-like strawberries <laughs> moons you've ever seen. Like, the moon, this one has yeah, seeds in it. And pictures. the little green... Stem at the top. And you have hundreds of them, not just one. Yeah, and you don't even have to leave your couch. Man, it's a good time to be alive. You don't even have to get up to go look at the sky. And by the way, there's so much light pollution you can't see anyway. Come on. Who are we kidding? It's a crazy time to be living. Hey, a couple stories we've got to get to because they're this is critical. North Carolina School Board votes uh, to stop naming valedictorians. Well, trigger warning. Um yeah. For any of those people who don't like the word vala or dictorian, yeah, you might want to. Or for smart people, yeah, who sure. might be frustrated by this, um, you don't want. They don't want to name valedictorians because they call it unhealthy competition. It creates unhealthy competition among the students. Oh, look at me. I'm making people happy. I'm the magical man from Happyland in a gumdrop house at Lollipop Lane. That was the speaker of uh, the movement, Homer Simpson. Homer J. Simpson. Homer J. Simpson. Uh, he <laughs> He's a strong advocate of not making or uh, not hurting people's feelings, but instead making them happy. So the Wake County School Board is the latest in the country to make valedictorians and salutatorians salutatorians the second person, yeah, uh, a thing of the past. 
See, I don't know if I like this. I like to know who the smart people are. Well, we've talked before. You have the honor society, mm-hmm. right? And they'll have either some sort of like gold braids yeah, or some have, sort yeah. of other adornment for the hat or gown or yeah. whatever. And it's for achievement. Right. And they're starting to take those away too because the other kids didn't achieve that. They don't want them to feel bad. Uh, you guys are making the other kids feel bad. Mm. So they, I, I personally, again, this is just my view, not the view of BYU Broadcasting. Yes. I think you ought to have an honor roll for the, those that, that do that, and then you ought to have a dishonor roll. And on the dishonor roll, people that have done dishonorable things. <laughs> they wear black cords. They're dark black cords. And let, yeah, they're like greasy dark cords. And you wear them to show that you are dishonorable. So we're shaming too? No, it's not no? shaming. It's that you choose to – you get to choose. To, so do you want to go honor cord, honor code mm-hmm. way or do you want to go dishonor? Mm. And then you can get rid of valedictorians. But I think if you're going to have a valedictorian, then you got to have the class clown award, right? And then that person should speak as a rebuttal to the valedictorian. Should the worst student that was able to graduate be awarded something? Yes, the the lowest GPA yeah, yeah, yeah. that still managed to squeak by, yeah. and I think he ought to speak too. Okay, why do we only think the smart people can speak? Right, because a lot of times you don't relate to your valedictorian. Like that guy's a freak. What if what if the guy that had the worst grade but grades but were able to still graduate was narcoleptic? Right, exactly. He just fell asleep in class all the time. Yeah. What if he just had an ailment? And then he's brilliant, and then just delivers this wonderful speech, motivates uh-huh. everyone. Mm-hmm. That was my problem. Well, yeah, that's different. That was one of your problems. Yeah, I think I think they're giving way too much credit to the valedictorian. But I, I think, I mean, really, you could have other people. Mm. That my daughter ended up speaking at her graduation, but she auditioned, and she won. Some of them I've seen where they let everyone speak. Wow, you get three How long minutes does that go take? forever because you're letting every kid out there speak. It's like, yeah, no. you can't do that. Like eighth, I've seen some eighth grade graduations, and everyone in the eighth grade class. I want speaks. to thank the little people, <laughs> and uh, I especially want to thank my family and my friends. Here is an eighth grader uh, speaking, a thirteen-year-old comedian that uh, at his graduation he roasted Donald J. Trump. It was her, and she was on America's Got Talent. Oh, hold on, this is a girl. This is a girl. Well, the one I saw was a boy. This is a girl on America's Got Talent. Oh, okay. I was thinking of the graduation one. Okay, okay. hit uh, clip number one. This is a 13-year-old girl, comedian, roasting Donald J. Trump. My only qualification to be a babysitter is that I used to be a baby. (laughs) I mean, that's crazy. That's like saying, hey, you're sick a lot. You want to be my doctor? That's a great point. Great point. Or weren't you the host of a reality show? You want to be president of the United States? There you go. Ooh. Okay, I, we've got to find the other one where the boy impersonates Hillary, Donald, oh, yeah. and uh, Bernie. Oh, and Ted Cruz. And this, the kid just does a great job. These kids are pretty gutsy getting up there. To, you know, publicly go out there. Comedy's a very lonely thing. Because uh, if it doesn't work, you're just left out there hanging. And as we found out with the Google News reports with Donald Trump, I wonder if he pulls the story oh, about yeah. this comedian oh, she's girl. she's going to get a letter. And she gets a letter from his office. And she'll be banned from Trump Tower or from 
uh, Trump steaks, maybe Trump, maybe Trump water, or the Trump Grill where they make the best taco salads. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Anywho, great stuff. We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, we will be talking with Kim Giles from Clarity Point Coaching. She's going to walk us through uh, the concept, life is hard, suffering is optional, how to manage the difficult times. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, on the phone with us is Kim Giles. She is the president and founder of Clarity Point Coaching, popular life coach, author, speaker, and was uh, named one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country um, back in 2010. Today, we've named her one of the top 20 advice gurus in the Hemis, in the in the greater intergalactic uh, region which is one of the highest honors you can have uh, from the Matt Townsend Show. Kimberly Giles, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy to be here today. Good. A beautiful day. I know. It's a beautiful day, and thank heavens you're not in Arizona where it's 115 degrees. Yeah, I'm grateful. Because that grateful would, for that. that'll make you sweat. Hey, um, you, you, uh, you wanted to talk about life is hard, but suffering is optional. Cause it, yeah, at least to the degree that we suffer. Yeah. Right? I mean, some, some things are so hard, you're, you're, you're gonna it's suffer. not going to be pleasant. Right. But you have some control over how miserable you want to be. Or not. Right. Right. I See, but it's a lot, a lot of times we, we, for some reason, we give up that control. It's almost like we don't even think it's there. We don't. And actually, I think there's some sort of subconscious benefits to staying miserable. Ooh, what? And some of us are kind of enjoying those benefits, and we're not sure we really want to take the responsibility over our thoughts to change that. So how do we, How? what are, okay, talk about the psychological benefits, because it seems like it's not paying off in any way, but there must be some way it's helping you. Well, yeah, so definitely there's a cost to it. But, you know, when you're really miserable and you kind of milk that a little bit, it earns you some sympathy love, for one thing. Yeah. And, and you know, any attention kind of feels like love to us at some level. Um, I think it also can give you some excuses to get out of things you don't want to do or to not try as hard in life as you, as you might. It, it can... You know, those can be benefits. You may not want to give up. So the first thing you got to decide is, are, are you even opening, open to changing your perspective and seeing life in a different way and becoming more positive? And, and why wouldn't you be? And, and really ask yourself if you're getting some of those benefits. And is that who you want to be? Because I think the big cost to that is, one, you're – really miserable and life isn't happy and other people don't really want to be around you, but yeah. you also kind of lose their respect at some level. Well, yeah. You don't want to A, be around somebody that's that's always talking about how horrible the world has been to them, but you lose respect. I guess you're saying because you see that they're not owning it more. They're not kind of leading their life more. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a state of weakness to some degree, and, and it's just a fact of life that people don't respect us when we show up 
from kind of a weak position. They really respect strength. And I know that how difficult it can be to be strong when you're miserable. I've been through a lot of tough things in my life, and so I know we're going to have listeners out there who are going to say, well, you don't understand how bad I have it. Yeah. And and trust me, I do. I've, I've been through some really horrible things in my life, and, you know, when people would tell me to have a better attitude, I wanted to punch them in the teeth. <laughs> right. I get that. Yeah. But there is a, a level of your suffering that comes from your perspective and the way you're looking at the situation, and a change in perspective can change how you feel and make things somewhat better. Which is why you, you're asking up front, are you even sure you want to change? Because if you want to change, it's possible. But if you don't want to change, then I won't keep pushing not on gonna you. going to happen no yeah. matter what I say. Yeah. Right. No, that's great. I, I mean, I, I had a, a friend uh, um, moons ago where th- that was sick. They were dying. And um, it seemed like they derived so much benefit and pleasure by being sick that it almost didn't occur to them that 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 they could heal and get better. Um, yeah. So finally, the family tired of it. Uh, tired of them constantly bringing up the sickness and and almost sabotaging their own health, um, had a little intervention and sat down and just said, we need to know if you want to be healthy or not, because if not, we'll just mourn you to death. But if you want to do something and maybe, you know, fight um, instead of just make it worse, then let us know. And, and we but we need you to make the decision. It was an interesting wow. It was a very interesting discussion the family had, and um, but it always ended up. It always ended up. You know, it's still in that person's control. But that person had never even thought that they were gaining some benefit by being the sickly one. Right. So we want everybody to recognize a lot of what you feel about the situation you're in is coming from your perspective, the way you're looking at it. And believe it or not, there are always other options than the way you are currently looking at it. And some of those other options may actually make you feel better about it. But, Matt, you know, when I was really bad off at at times in my life, uh, I kind of looked to some people who I knew understood suffering Mm. at a a deep level because they, they had some credibility with me where some of the people in my surroundings, yeah. you know, they didn't know suffering like right. I did. So what they said didn't carry much weight. And and one of the people that I looked to was Helen Keller. Mm. I mean, there's not very many people that had it as rough as she did. No, no. Right? Right. So one of my, my favorite quotes from her comes from her book, Light in Darkness. And she said, I thank God for my handicap, for through them I found myself, my work, and my God. She was grateful for this experience, and I've met a lot of amazing people in my life who who are in a wheelchair, or you know, and and they honestly look at me and say, "I'm so grateful this was my journey because of what it's taught me, and I would never have learned these things if I didn't have this journey." And and I know it's it's a big leap to actually be grateful for our trials, but what I'm going after here is that. 
you're, you're changing the way you look at the nature of life. And, and, you know, I talk a lot about choosing to see life as a classroom. Yeah. And, and I really believe that perspective, what it means is that every single experience that happens to us here is happening so that we can grow in some way. There's meaning and purpose in every experience. And literally, the universe is constantly conspiring to make me stronger and wiser and more loving. And there will be no trial that comes my way that won't have that purpose. Mm. And when you see it with purpose and meaning in it, it does kind of change it. Changes how you feel about it. And, and another person that had a lot of credibility with me when it came to suffering was Viktor Frankl. Yeah. Oh, I love right? him. Yeah, in those concentration camps in, in World War II, boy, he taught the world that you do have the power, no matter how bad it is, to choose your attitude. And, and he said the same thing. The people in Auschwitz that did the best were ones that saw meaning and purpose in being there. That this this served their growth on some level, and and he found that their suffering lessened when it meant something versus when it just seemed like random bad luck that they ended up there. Huh. Interesting. Sense? Yeah, totally. So having a connection to a purpose for why you're going through it uh, makes it more um, makes it something to kind of I guess fight through. Yeah, you know, not just suffering for no meaning, but but it's here to serve you. And we seem to rise above it a little bit better when we have that perspective and and see our experiences as having meaning. They're, they still might not be fun, but they're a little bit better. Oh yeah. Oh no. That's and that's so much more hopeful, isn't it? Uh, it is. We're speaking with Kim Giles from the uh, the coaching organization claritypointcoaching.com and she's a wonderful resource we'll take a break come back continue the discussion about uh, life is hard suffering is optional there is some power to choose how you process through life um, as taught to us so far by helen keller and victor frankel two wonderful examples of 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 the process stick with us this is the matt townsend show we'll continue the discussion in just a few minutes we'll be right back Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. If you uh, feel down and out and you feel like you're stuck in a hole, uh, life is hard. Suffering is optional. Coaching us today through uh, some tools to help us manage the difficult times in life is our coach, uh, Kim Giles. She uh, is the founder and head coach at ClarityPointCoaching.com and is also uh, an author and wonderful person. We, We appreciate you being here, Kim. Thanks for giving us some insights. What uh, what are some other what are some tools, some solutions that you teach your people as they are trying to you know elevate their view as they go through the difficult times in life? Yeah, I've got four great little exercises, things you can do to really change your perspective. So the first one actually comes from Viktor Frankl. And well, you gotta you gotta believe in this one. Yeah, he. 
encourage people, even people who had been fellow prisoners in the concentration camps, to sit down and write down ten positive things that have come from that horrible experience. Mm. And believe it or not, they could do this. They could come up with things like a, a great appreciation for the smallest blessings. I mean, even a warm cup of tea, they said, I, I appreciate that more than anybody has ever appreciated the small things. They, they had an appreciation for their loved ones that was at such a depth that most of us couldn't understand. They could come up with positives that have come from the hardship. And as soon as you can see those, it does kind of change your perspective about the lesson and the, the experience. Oh, wow. I mean, really, if, if you're in Auschwitz or a, or a concentration camp and you can come up with 10 positive things about what you're suffering through life um, and what you're going through, then really all of us should be able to work our yeah. brain. I mean, it might take time, right? But we yeah. can do that. But you can come up with them, and it'll change how you're looking at it. So that's one. The second thing I would recommend is sit down and make a list of everything that's wrong in your life, and then make a list of everything that's right. Hmm. All your blessings, all the things that you're glad you don't have, that you don't have to deal with. And I guarantee that that list will be longer. And, and Matt, I actually have a great worksheet that I use with my clients that's available for free yeah. on my website. Like So you know, many other things, things. right? <laughs> it's called the, the Nature of Life Worksheet. And if anybody wants to go to claritypointcoaching.com on my resources page, they can go get that. But great exercise. It's the same thing. Huh? You, and you just identify what's not working well and then everything that is working well and that you're grateful you don't have. Right. Wow. And it'll change your perspective because every moment of your life, you'll have some of both. You'll have things that are wrong, but you'll have things that are right. And if you can't be happy now, you'll never be able to because there'll always be both of those in your world. That's right. The way life is, right? Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, okay, that's, so I just said that that's day. That's just day to day. I mean, just hearing a friend that's got a brain tumor or this friend that a uh, child yeah. drowned in a pool that's a friend of ours. I mean, it's, it never ends. Yeah. and, and, and It's the nature of life, yeah, isn't it? It is. Okay. So number three is get out and focus on other people, especially find some people that you could serve that have it worse than you, because I guarantee there are some out there. Yeah. There's so always true. people in a worse situation than you, and, and if you look for ways to serve and bless them, your problems will suddenly shrink. Always do. Yeah, that's great advice. Okay, my last one, and this is really a fun one. I, I like my clients to imagine that they're old and gray, that life is about over. There's the end of the journey. And they're looking back at where they are right now, and I want you to write the story that you see happen next. So from the, from where you are today, moving forward, what do you want that story to be? Huh. Do you want it to be a story of self-pity and depression? Do you want it to be a story of, of victory and growth? You write it. Write the whole story. And this is so powerful because it can create such powerful intention moving forward. The odds of you creating that story are much higher if you've thought it through and yeah. you know where you want to go. Oh, it's so true. Do you share the story? Well, you can. Um, 
But the important part is is just that you can clearly see that option in your future. Right. And until the until you see it as a real possibility, it's something that you could create. You can't get there. You have to be able to see it. So I think it's really powerful to get it on paper, make it something you could read over and over again. This this victory story, and I guarantee you just you you push your journey in that direction once you create that that powerful intention. Mm. Do you um I mean I guess the funny thing about this is you you almost you don't even have to do it yet as long as you can see it. Right? Oh, yeah. So so much of this is just getting that vision in your head. Absolutely. And and the problem is if we don't do that, right? We then we lose power to create the future we want. We're just going to get what we get. Mm. But but taking that time to really figure out what you want, that alone is so powerful. And if you put it in a form that you could even read it every day, it it holds such power. And I know this works because I've done this in my life about 15 years ago when I was a single mom with four kids. And my my future looked kind of like a black hole. I mean, I just, I couldn't see anything there. And now look at you. Well, I did this. Now. Yeah, I no, you've done it. I wrote this out. And, exactly. and I wrote things about being a published author and having a successful business. And at that point, all of that was just a fantasy. But it, it re- most of it has really come true. Mm. I've created that. So there's great power in, in creating that vision for yourself. Well, yeah. And, uh, and then to hear that people have done that and are succeeding, that this isn't trickery. This is hope, right? This is just something you can do today by making a choice for how you're going to play this game of life. It's, it's the real deal. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. How much time? You've got about 30, 30 seconds. Uh, okay. Well, I had another great story, but I'm going to have to tell everybody, you can go to ksl.com this morning and read my article on this topic and make, they can read more Ooh. about it if they need a little more help. Ooh, that's a good tease. Good tease. And also go to claritypointcoaching.com and, and uh, look for all of your your free tools and, and exercises there as well. We appreciate you, Kim. Thank you so much for uh, helping us see through it. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here. You bet. Claritypointcoaching.com. Uh, Kim Giles is her name. Great resource, folks. Check it out. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. Come back. Visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. We'll be right back. To the Matt Townsend Show. A little uh, tunage for you as we uh, throw it down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show today. Hello, gentlemen. What's up? Hello, Matt. What's happening? So it's the Jason and Jerem, or the Jerem and Jason, Jason and Jerem show. (laughs) Can you say that again for me, Jerem? Jerem and Jason. Born Identity. Is this is this is this the Born Identity team um, from a different uh, a different country? What is this? There's a Jimmy Kimmel uh, skit where he sends what's his uh, little uh, Guillermo Guillermo the Guillermo. security guard. <laughs> he, he's, he's like, I am Jason Born Identity. <laughs> it's really funny. Oh man, you did it again. Hey, uh, you guys didn't happen to catch a game last night, did you? 
You mean a certain game in the Bay Area? Yeah. Siete? Yeah. G- game uh, Juego Siete? Juego Siete? Si. Yeah, it was, it, what a game. Wow. What a game. What a game. I can't believe the Cavs did it. I mean, it, it, what an incredible American sports story. It stinks for the Warriors, of course. Yeah. But the first team down 3-1 to ever win. LeBron James gets that title for Cleveland. It was an emotional thing. Uh, Jason went on his uh, LDS mission to Cleveland, so he can speak to kind of the culture there. But that meant something, right? That's when you're, huge. When you're sobbing on the court, uh-huh. that means I something mean, you, more than just that game. Yeah, right? you had you you had LeBron balling. Tyron Lue, the head coach, balling. <laughs> Every 52 years without a championship. Mm. Nothing for the Browns, the Indians, mm. the Cavs. Mm. I mean, all of it. And for it, it all came together with the prodigal son yeah. coming back and delivering on his promise. Many thought because they had the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there. That, that they were good. That that's all they enough. needed. They were satisfied. <laughs> Finds out, we find out they were not. That is that, that is the coolest part of the entire story. And they broke the myth that real men don't cry. Right? Is that still a myth? No, it's a myth, yeah. Not anymore. They, they shattered it. Hillary Clinton shattered the glass ceiling. These guys shattered the glass tear ducts. <laughs> hey, someone's got to do it. Yeah. At some point. You know someone out there is offended because they actually have glass tear ducts. <laughs> my mother has like, glass oh tear ducts. Come on. <laughs> such such yeah. a good point. To, to me the to me the the kind of last great American sports story left to right is the Cubs winning the World Series. And they are on their way. Oh yeah. They they're playing tremendous baseball right now. So Well, it, there's it another was one. fun to see. I was rooting for Cleveland to win. I I wanted Cleveland to get that title. No, totally. And they got it. Yeah. But there's another there's another legend or kind of uh ceiling that needs to be broken which and we we don't talk about it much but is is Gator Ball. Gator Ball. And the importance of It's growing. And cuz It's I, like soccer and lacrosse. It's mm-hmm. going to take over. It's a mix of soccer, there, lacrosse and swamp people. <laughs> it's, get you. It'll get you get you one way or another. Boy, Shoot him between the eyes, boy. <laughs> Anyway. I am totally that lost. Sounds like the uh, – oh, explain Gator Ball. Uh, Gator Ball, Jason, you must not have heard me talk about it. It's a, it's a new phenomenon. I'm trying to start to, to get more people excited about baseball. And okay. what it is is you play – it's a regular field, a regular baseball field. Uh, but what you do instead is there you're going to add five alligators, five live alligators that will run around the, run around the field. And then you chum the baseline. <laughs> And you chum the the players' clothes. Do you need to chum anything? Oh, I mean, we, are, no, you aren't do. You the chum? No, well, you are the chum. Except they need they're they're very sensory driven animals. So you want to get you want to get the smell up is what I'm saying. Okay. Right. And then if you make it if you make it around, you get a point. It's regular baseball it, unless you get caught by a gator. It's like baseball with a twist. <laughs> well, the staff call- and management of BYU Radio do not condone the housing and boarding of alligators or any other illegally acquired reptiles in any private domicile. Yeah, we have to play that now. Thank goodness and, that's two x speed. Any anytime, anytime I do, anytime no I talk about gators, <laughs> but it's it's it, it, there, it is with a twist. It's more we call it with a roll. Okay, all and right. um, but super fun, fun for fun for all. And I'm pretty sure it's gonna it's gonna you know it's gonna take baseball to a completely different level. Hey, you know what? Is it? Uh, is it, who has the uh, the little uh, the alligator? In, is that Izod? Izod, yeah. yeah. Izod could be your first no, sponsor. Izod's already interested. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. Yep. So are uh, the people that make uh, Gator boats. Oh, what about Gatorade? Oh, Gatorade's Gator totally on board. Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we. Gatorade. 
it's out there. It's out there. So Cavaliers, big story now. Next big story will be the Cubs uh, winning the Gator Bowl. No, not that we already have a Gator. The Gator, the, the Gator, the Gator Bowl used to be the name of, I think, the, or it is the name of the swamp where they play or something. Really? Actually, there, there's a Gator Bowl somewhere. Yeah, there actually is a Gator Bowl somewhere. Yeah. Is um, In North America. But let's not, let's not, just to keep it straight, let's not mix that up with Gator Ball, which yeah. is my... My invention. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just want to keep that straight. Okay. okay. Just for might trademark be. purposes. Hey, might be. <laughs> patent pending. My, my patent, patent pending. Like, yeah, that's a great idea. Patent pending. Don't, Pat, patent don't, pending. Steal, steal, it. don't steal it. Don't, don't steal intellectual property. <laughs> so true. Hey, um, anything going on in sports that we need to worry about? Your show, for example, you're still going to do it, right? We will do it, and we will do it big. Big, big time. In the spirit of Cleveland, getting the monkey off their back. <laughs> Really? You're asking, what is BYU's biggest monkey on its back athletically? Hmm. Is it Utah? Is it beating Gonzaga? Is it winning a conference title in uh, basketball? Is it getting to the Final Four in basketball? Is it getting into a Power Five conference? That, is that's it. Men's it. volleyball winning that's, a title? What is it? That's my choice right there, the Big what? Five conference. Yeah. Ah, interesting. It's a big, fat monkey and, on and my the back. the audience is like, oh, that's the correct answer. That's it. Because you just believe the man. sound, right? I think mm-hmm. you're a very smart man. Right? Yeah, because – be a tease. Oh, well, where do you think those dings – be a tease. Those dings don't come from us. They come from on high. Okay. What are you planning on doing the with – The third floor in the building? With the longest day of sunshine <laughs> yeah. today, by the way, you, with the, your extra sun time. With my sun time, I think I will probably stay locked in my um, closet uh, office, and I will Nailed nap – no. And dream of Gator Ball. Yeah, and dream of and actually I have to drop the rest of the rules for Gator Ball. I think really the only rule should just be don't die. Yeah. Well, by the way, I don't know if you know this. If you do in any way get caught by a gator, inning over immediately. It's over. It's over. The game's over. There's a lot well. that's over. Yeah, it should, it, should, your life over. it should be an automatic game. Isn't there like a rule in uh Little League baseball, like five run rule or whatever? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And the game's over immediately. It's the mercy yeah, yeah, rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mercy rule. But so you got to be ahead. This is more like you, anybody gets caught by a gator, game's over. Gator. And then, and then somehow they got to get the gator, gator out. Yeah, coming this fall. Gator coming ball. gator ball, brought to you by TLC. <laughs> it's not even a sports <laughs> station. What else? What else is on the show? We're gonna have uh, Sports Illustrated's Joan Neeson. She uh, produced an article last week about Liz Frank injuries in mm. uh, increasing in college football. She has some data from the NFL, but she uh, visited with uh, Taysom Hill at length about his Liz Frank injury and the recovery. Will he be healthy by the fall? Mm. Get her opinion on this and Liz Frank injuries in general. It's kind of one of those injuries that's not super well known, so she'll give us some uh, insight into that. Plus, Peyton Sorensen of the swim team, he's uh, another BYU swimmer trying to qualify for the Olympics next week. we had a lot of swimmers. Yeah, we've been, I think this is our fourth swimmer. In the last week and a half or something. So we're, we're debating changing the name of the show to BYU Swim Nation. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's an idea. I, yeah. I don't think it's no, a I like idea, it. But I think it's, it's an idea. Well, I've always thought of you guys more of, as like Speedo Nation. Yeah. Hey, I was a swimmer in high school, so you don't need to be. Once a swimmer, always a swimmer. Yeah, that's I, true. I wouldn't say was. That's the way I look at it. That's true. Yeah. I, I am a swimmer in high school. I, uh, I think you need a phrase like that. I used, oh. to, I used to swim when I was a kid. We'd swim a lot. We'd go down to the water hole. Go, that's where you get a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, just really quick, eighty-eight million dollars to Ronaldo. Eighty-eight million a year. That penalty kick over the weekend? No, oh. no, I heard about it. Yeah, come on. 
Come on, Ronaldo. It's pretty, it's pretty good. I'm telling you. It's good money if you can get it. Yeah. It's good. Hey, <laughs> a lot of money in that line of work. A lot of money in <laughs> that line of work. Good looking. Play that well. Yeah, Here. he's yeah, good. He's a dream boat. Um, anyway, sounds like a great show, guys. Knock him dead. Tell the swimmers hi. We'll tell them hi. Hand him a towel. Keep him dry. Hashtag Nair. <laughs> Hashtag no Nair. Nair out. No Nair. Uh, Nairless. Hey, guys, have a good one. Knock him dead. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. Hashtag Nair. What does that even mean? Nair is a, it's a product you use to get rid of your hair on your body. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. A lot of people use razors, a lot of work. Nair, just rub it on and then just drop hair all day. I guess you wipe it off. Never used it myself. Really? But I've seen the commercials. So obviously I'm ready. Hey, here's one. Uh, a, a story for the Coach Con. Bad boys, bad boys. What's he gonna do? Segment of the show. A uh, Coos Bay, Oregon uh, homeowner has has basically taken over my job of trying to coach the criminal element. This homeowner made teens that he caught breaking into his house. He made them call 911 and report themselves. Here's video of the the uh, process. It's kind of an old – it's an older phone, so it takes a little longer to call. But he made the boys call in and tell on themselves, which is a pretty cool thing. Like, hey, yeah, sorry. We were trespassing and uh, this guy caught us and, uh, you know, he was armed. And so we're just calling ourselves to turn ourselves in, you know. It's, just what it's we the do. right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. We felt uh, a sincere desire to call. And can you guys ways. could you guys get here fast because he's got a gun? And he um, said he's only going to wait for so long. <laughs> I'm not calling him. I'd rather shoot you. But you better call. So it's a really good lesson, I think, for everybody. Emergency dispatchers uh, say he made one of the teens call police to report the burglary in progress, which is crazy. How do you know they're actually calling? How do you know that the person doesn't have their finger on the button? Right. So, personally, um, a kind of a scary deal. Can you imagine having these kids break in? By the way, they also, uh, after they were arrested, they were arrested for trespassing and possession of marijuana. But they did forge a, a really strong relationship with the uh, with the nine one one operator. Which is pretty cool. Hey, as you know, we always like to do a hero story on the show. Uh, to wrap it up, we want you to feel hope. And we've got a great hero today. Listen to this. Orlando Girl makes cards for victims' families in hopes that they will feel much, much better. Madison Lindsay, six years old, was upset that her mother, Lindsay Pink, had to work late this weekend. But when she learned why, she pitched, uh, she pitched in herself uh, the only way she knew how. Pink, a nursing student at Valencia College in Orlando, has been dealing with the overflow of patients since the Pulse nightclub shooting on Sunday, she told ABC News. When her daughter asked where she had been, Pink replied, I was out helping people. Madison wanted to help too, but didn't know how. Why don't you draw something, her mother suggested. And so I made cards so people could feel much, much better 
so they can remember the people who were killed and shot, Madison told ABC's Orlando affiliate WFTV. Pretty soon, they all had a large collection of colorful cards to give out to families of the victims. Upon receiving the cards, people would usually smile, cry, or even give Madison a hug. They were thankful. Madison even gave a card to Florida Representative Corrine Brown. According to her mother, Brown's district includes Orlando. Pink describes her daughter as a normal six-year-old who likes drawing, singing, dancing, animals, and nature. She also said Madison has a big heart and raised more than $700 in an online drive for the American Heart Association. So there you have it. Madison Lindsay, six years old. You are the hero of the day on the Matt Townsend Show. We so appreciate uh, your your great example for us and your mom as well. And everybody that uh, had to do more, to be more, and to pull through uh, the so many people and the country uh, because of the Orlando shootings. All of us, uh, we've been blessed by your great work. That's the show, my friends. Again, we can't do it without you. If you don't get a chance to listen to us uh, live, then you can always go find us on iTunes, on TuneIn. Go download the BYU Radio app, and you can get all of our older shows, wonderful tools, and you can email them to a friend. We're going to take, uh, no, we're going to, we're done. I always say we're going to take a break, but we are going to take a day break. We'll be back tomorrow. More tools to live longer, love stronger. Stick with us. We'll all make it together, folks. This is the match.